should I do? All right then. If you want orders, follow this one. Hold to open. Hold to open. Yes, and what do you do? I don't need to make claims. I know how good I am. Like you don't know. Show me. You want to see it? Fly me. You can smell the testosterone. Here comes the drums. <laughs> oh, here it comes. The sound of drums. Here come the drums. Here come the drums. Dun 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 Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Pull to Open, uh, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, all of the televised series in excitingly random order. My name is Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal, and Chris and I are a couple of guys, a couple of electrified guys this week. Woohoo! Now that we are back, uh, I feel like it's a new era now that we're post- Power of the Doctor. We're post power. Oh, seen it. Yeah, last post-power. week. We, yeah, we we were all like, uh, let's let's not talk about it too much last week, and we're going to yeah. be all let's not talk about it too much this week. Uh, but we're super excited. We're super excited that we that we kind of uh, got a little bit of it right ahead of time. Um, but that's uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yes, we're a couple of guys. We're a couple yeah. of journalists. We're a couple of. Uh, Doctor Who travelers through time and space. And here's where we've been previously. Um, five episodes ago, we were at Rosa, our first Jodie Whittaker. Uh, our randomizer decided uh, rather rather scarily before uh, before Power of the Doctor to catch us up with some with our first ever random Jodies, uh, mm. which was Rosa, and then it was the Witchfinders. Uh, three episodes ago, we took a diversion back to Troughton uh, for actually what is, in a way, also a, a new story, newly animated, Fury from the Deep. Uh, two episodes ago, with our special guest, Chris Burgess from Radio Free Scarrow, uh, we did Time Flight, uh, the, the post-Adric Concord story. And we looked at what happens when a companion leaves the TARDIS. And then last time we took another look at what happens when a companion leaves the TARDIS with the Runaway Bride, which is the first post-Rose episode and the first Tenant Tate episode. And we did that right before Power of the Doctor, right before we right. knew, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, that the new Doctor is David Tennant. <laughs> the 14th Doctor. The it's 14th official. Doctor. He's not 10. It's not a He's dream. Not- it's not a sideways universe. Yep. <laughs> Series 13B. Uh, no, no, he's the actual 14th Doctor. It's the first time it's happened. And I'm sure that was a big reason why RTD got him back, right? You know, the you'll be the first Doctor in history. And, you know, we can talk about the curator, but you'll be the first official Doctor in history to be two numbered Doctors. You'll be 10 and 14. Uh, I don't think anyone could say no to that, right? Um, right. Oh, absolutely. But all indeed, of this, of course, all of this has led us to <laughs> our very first Chris Eccleston episode. Speaking of Rose from the Runaway Bride, Rose is in this, um, and it is wow! What an Eccleston episode! Right. It's it may be my favorite. I think it may be Pete's favorite as well. Maybe your favorite. It's Dalek. Yeah, huge. It's like our first episode. Episode is the most 
Eccleston episode that has ever Eccleston, you know? Oh, it's, it's, like, it's so Eccleston. It's got, like, Eccleston yeah. dripping off the walls of the bunker. Uh-huh. Well, certainly off his lip. <laughs> at point. But yeah. it's, it's just a doozy. It's just crazy that the uh, randomizer... You remember, like, way back when we were worried that the randomizer was taking us through too much good Doctor Who before? Because yes. we're not even really halfway through uh, this, the, the entire television run yet, and we've already done so many epic episodes, and this yeah. is, yeah. like definitely reputed to be one of them we won't reveal what we think about it <laughs> on this rewatch several years later and seeing if it holds up right now but uh yeah. what what a what an episode to start this era with it, it is yeah we 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 did have that mini episode where we were kind of worried about run it burning through things uh, too fast but also something else we've expressed on pull to open is that the randomizer hasn't brought us to a lot of dalek episodes or certainly not a lot of dalek episodes with dalek in the title Right. We've had one, I believe, Power of the Daleks, the uh, the the Troughton opener, the animated one. I don't know, Peter. We had any other uh, of the Daleks uh, and and anything at all with it with Dalek in the title? I don't think so. I'm uh, scrolling yeah. really quickly here through the codex, yeah. and it isn't. This is yeah. yeah. We, wow. We, we didn't have the. We haven't had the Daleks master plan. We've had, haven't had the Masters Dalek plan. Uh, we haven't had any of it. Um, the Daleks, <laughs> the Dal- yeah, the Daleks or the mutants or whatever. That's what if they had called this one the Dalek? The. I think I would have spent a little too <laughs> if they had a the in front of it. Wonder if that was ever considered. Yeah, well, obviously they didn't think about SEO in those days. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's just call it Dalek. Uh, I, say- I, I feel like yeah, this is the result of like a lot of back and forth over the title and like screw it, just call it Dalek. Yeah, just no one's no one's ever called it Dalek. It's won't, one word. Won't mistake it for anything else. Like the, it's exactly <laughs> what you get on the tin. You get a Dalek. You don't get two. Yeah. You don't get zero. It's just exactly one. One. Just yep. one. Just just like Genesis of the Daleks perhaps should have been called the three Daleks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the Dalek. Uh, but yeah, maybe maybe yeah. maybe they should have called it the Metaltron. Um, I don't know. You know no. really preserve a secret there. I don't know. Anyway, but before we get to that, let's enter the feedback loop where we talk about the week in the show itself. We get super meta. So P, what's been What's been going on with Pull to Open? Well, let's start with the, you knew this was coming moment of, hey guys, we love reviews. Reviews are a thing that podcasts uh, are, really thrive on. If you haven't left a review of the show, please go into the Apple Podcast Store if you can, or the app and leave a review. It doesn't have to be very long. Reviews really do help visibility of the show in that app. Okay, moving on <laughs> mercifully this week, because we just have so much to talk about. Um, First of all, YouTube is continuing to grow. It's been great. We've got a lot of new subscribers there. Thank you very much, everyone who's subscribing here on YouTube, if that's where you're watching. Uh, it'd be great if you could share the channel with your friends. And also, don't forget to hit that, I guess it's a bell icon, uh, whatever it takes to sort of turn on those notifications when we post new content. And we keep posting new content, as you know, every Wednesday. Tons we're of posting. It. Uh, there are older episodes that were never cut to video before. That's like season two of Pull to Open. Those are all coming there. And the new stuff is coming every Saturday. You're getting all of our plot summers and summaries in video form. And you're getting all the TikTok videos, which are just really social shorts. Those are all here, too. So please indulge. Indulge here on the YouTubes. Yes. Uh, like, subscribe, and exterminate that notifications button. Just smash oh, it so baby. hard. Stick your sucker right on that subscribe button. Yeah, I want to see that 
button going negative. Okay? <laughs> exactly. Don't With a little skeleton. Yeah. Skeleton <laughs> <laughs> bell. Someone Photoshop that. Uh, I'll throw that in the show notes. That'd be amazing. I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, so, guys, yeah. moving on uh, really quickly through this because, man, we really want to talk about Dalek, among other things. Uh, <laughs> but we, the social is doing great. TikTok. Uh, we've actually, uh, we're, I feel like we're really back on TikTok. Over the summer, we were, you know, our schedule was a little off here and there, and we weren't as consistent about uploading there. We're back. And we've actually had our first viral hit in a while. Um, and it's on one of our time flight videos, first of all. By the way, you can follow us there at pull to open uh, all one word. Uh, but our time flight videos from that podcast are all up there now. And the one about Tegan's leaving scene in that mm. episode is leaving, really quote unquote, leaving, yeah. quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, has really resonated with the audience. And that's really no surprise given what the events of the power of the doctor turned out to be. Mm, uh, yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who saw that and might not be uh, fully aware of Tegan's history. And Time Flight is a big sort of landmark episode in that history. So we had a couple great comments on that that video. And here they are. Uh, The first comment is from a user named LJ. And I kind of, I want to highlight this comment. It's going to sound like I'm correcting them a bit, but I think it's a different interpretation. So... Uh, please, no one, especially you, LJ, who a great being a great follower and commenter, don't don't take offense to this at all. But uh, uh, the comment goes first: they didn't have the closest relationship. To be fair, even when she comes back, he's kind of like, oh, well, this Sorry. is like heart emoji, heart emoji, <laughs> right, right, uh, heart, heart all over the face emoji. Yeah, and uh, this refers to like a, a scene that she comes back in Arc of Infinity, and this is happy, mm-hmm. and the Doctor just kind of smiles. Oh, seems like we're, you're back with us. But I, I feel like that's not the Doctor. That's that is emotional for the Doctor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he does he does not express himself. One of the things that I think is well established, classic series and new. The Doctor is not a great communicator, and really in touch with his feelings he's not that emotionally mature yeah remember even even yeah. in new who like he has to carry uh, flashcards around with him to yeah. <laughs> to remind himself how to say emotional things right uh, i'm yeah. sorry i left you in aberdeen uh etc etc right uh so yeah that's you know may- maybe uh, i don't want to presume that that lj is is not british or is not familiar with the british but we're we are rather reserved emotionally that's kind of kind of our thing, <laughs> kind of thing and it's yeah. kind of our, like our biggest compliment on anything is to say that it's not bad um right right yeah yeah <laughs> it's acceptable <laughs> yeah so, i i I do think the the doctor like has deep love for Tegan and yes. even by by time flight. In fact, the fact that he abandons her and I'm kind of answering the thing mm. that I brought up in the video here. Mm. The fact that he goes out and basically looks for any excuse to abandon her, I believe is probably because he is getting very attached to her, hates goodbyes and just is kind of breaking up with her before mm. she can do it to him. Mm-hmm. I think that's the whole logic there honestly. And classic tactic. Yeah, and so you and you really like. I mean, her actual leaving scene, and I don't want to get too into it because we'll get to it when we do Resurrection of the Daleks. But it's it's mm. kind of gut wrenching, and it's kind of gut wrenching mm. for the Doctor. You can tell like he's on the verge of like losing it when yeah. she goes in, in the way she does because it's so tragic, and uh, it's 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 there. There is a very emotional. This is really why I think the Tegan yeah. is, is the Doctor, Fifth Doctor's best companion, and, and Davison so like brought her back. 
It's 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 funny watching Davison. Like he he totally he's a young doctor, but he totally has that British reserve, and he's always trying to put a smiling face on things. He's a very optimistic doctor, so yeah, he's he's yeah. not not particularly great with goodbyes. And I, I'll just say I meant to say this before I went into that thought, but this second TikTok comment helped mm-hmm. crystallize my thoughts on that, and it's from mm-hmm. another user called Lou <laughs> Lou FF4TW. Uh, oh, I guess Fantastic Four with the win. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, the doctor hates goodbyes, and he believes she doesn't want to be with him anymore. So extra worse. Oh yeah. Right. And yeah, and he believes that, and it's like it's such a good, uh, again, confirmation. The doctor's bad at communicating. Like if they just had a conversation. Yeah. Right. All of this would have been. <laughs> I mean, this really uh, coming after Power of the Doctor just proves that even Jody isn't great. I mean, yes, she has a wonderful leaving scene with Yaz, but what about Dan? What about the way she just yeah. drops off Dan, jumps back in the TARDIS, like, see ya, bye. Not going to do goodbyes, bye. Uh, in fact, doesn't she even have that line? Something like, oh, yeah. not good goodbyes, I'm off. Uh, and then right. Yaz, like, gives him a proper goodbye. Yeah, been fun, Dan. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, off now. Gonna go cry, cry quietly behind this door. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, oh Poor doctor. Dan. Poor Dan. Anyways, thank you so much. Uh, TikTok followers, always keep those comments coming. We love interacting with you there. And we also love interacting with folks on our other socials, Instagram and Twitter, where we're at poll to open 63 Twitter lately, of course, has been a buzz, a buzz with Doctor Who activity. Oh, my it's goodness. It's been great to sort of participate that in that uh, as much as we can. So uh, feel free to drop us a line there or a comment. Yeah. Talk uh, about how I, you're liking the show. It does feel like we're in a Doctor Who social media renaissance after Power of the Doctor. Uh, and, you know, not surprisingly so, given the ending, right? I mean, mm. uh, we did, uh, we should mention, go back and listen to the last five minutes of uh, the, our Time Flight episode with Chris Burgess. I believe Chris brings up the rumor that uh, it is going to end with Jody regenerating into Tenant, and I think I said if they do that, you know, uh, like I didn't want to commit myself, but I was like, if we, if they do that, it has to end with what 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 has to be the final line <laughs> of dialogue. Indeed, it was like there's just no, you know, sometimes you, you know RTD well enough, you know his stuff well enough, you kind of know where he's going to go on this, and where he's going to go is the biggest brain breaking cliffhanger that he can possibly think of to have your head cannon whirring for the next yeah. year, which is how long we're going to have to wait until the uh, the 60th anniversary special. A year! Yeah, I gotta say, and by the way, I think we're emerging from the feedback loop here yes. <laughs> into uh, our quick... Okay, so r- rules of the game on Power of the Doctor now, because we don't want to digress too much. Yes. You and I get one thought only mm-hmm. <laughs> to express on this podcast on the Power of the Doctor because otherwise it's just going to open the floodgates and it's this will be the Power of the Doctor podcast. So <laughs> Indeed, yeah, yeah. One we, thought each. We and, don't want to get overwhelmed. We don't want to yeah, be uh, sitting already here. Cheated. <laughs> we already <laughs> cheated a bit with the <laughs> A little stuff. bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's just so much. It's so dense. It's so rich. Uh, but my one thought is I'll reduce it to one word and one pronunciation of one word, which is master. Um, mm. I'll, I'll make it masterful. If, if you will, uh, because it had been pointed out before the episode that Sasha Dewan is the first actor to pronounce it master rather than master. 
right? Mm. And I I sort of feel that growing up, quick diversion into Chris's history corner, uh, my, my personal history corner, I grew up in the northeast of England, uh, where in the north of England, we say we say bath uh, rather than bath, which is a very southern thing, uh, you know, path rather than path. So I, I should have grown up saying master. Uh, I did not. I said master. And I believe that is entirely due to Doctor Who. <laughs> it's entirely, wow. entirely because of Anthony Ainley uh, that I, I, you know, when in our Church of England school, we used to sing that hymn, he who would valiant be against all disaster, let, let him with constancy follow the master. I lose mm. love singing that line. Um, <laughs> so the master, point being, the master in this episode is amazing. Uh, I did listen to a few sort of uh, podcasty reactions to Power of the Doctor. And was surprised that a lot of them d- sort of just didn't seem to get the, what the master's uh, Dalek plan, as it were, as he says, uh, was in this. Like, you know, what is the master's overall plan here? Why? How does he think he's going to take over the universe this way? Why doesn't he just bounce around the universe pretending to be the doctor in the TARDIS anyway, since he's got a TARDIS that looks like a police box? Um, and that just seemed to me to totally miss the character of the master, because his whole thing is that he doesn't exist without the doctor. And what we got in the power of the doctor was the most uh, interiority, to to use a fancy word, uh-huh. from the master that I think we've had since um, you know since uh, Sound of Drums last the Time Lords right where we yeah. we discovered that the doctor has the uh, the Doctor Who theme running in his head, <laughs> the Sound of Drums. Um, here we get the master saying, you know, don't don't make me be myself again, like I, I wanted to be you. Right. Um, like that was yeah. so, but also Dewan's performance. I mean, the Rasputin yeah. song, um, the wonderful, like the line that really, that made me laugh the hardest in the entire episode is where Ace says to him, last time I saw you, you were half cat. And yeah. the master just says, man's allowed to experiment. love that so much such a one was like he was given full license to be as nutty as he possibly could be um and i just he was uh, he was all over over the place in a good way like his his just crazy doctor who cosplay where he emerged yeah, a TARDIS right. in like question mark shirt, you know, uh, celery. on his way to Gallifrey one, you know. Yes, <laughs> it's so good, and he's got the earring as well. And so it's not really played for last because, of course, you know, a, a uh, male presenting uh, character like like this generation of the Master can wear female clothing. So what? But it's it, he's just sort of presented as a nutty Doctor Who fan because he's just mixing all the regenerations together, right, and in his outfit. And that just seems to me to get right at the character of the Doctor, like uh, of, right. of the Master, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he was great, and honestly, I I kind of hope it's his last episode as the Master. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't like him, I, I loved him. Yes, and I, but I'm like, how do you top that? Yeah, yeah, you, you know, can't. Like, you can't. He like, said, yeah. Sasha Dewan has gone on record saying he w- he would like to play the Master again. Obviously, that's up to Russell T Davies. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think this is like a Baby Yoda situation where yeah. I, you know, I felt Baby Yoda should have exited Mandalorian at the end of season right. two, even though we yeah. all love him. Uh, it was just the perfect exit, and this is the perfect yeah. exit for Sasha Dewan. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, you know, I'm sure in some way he'll be back, whether it's big finish or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but like again, in terms of if that's his swan song, he went out on top, man. That was amazing. 
So, so my one thought, it's a little meta, mm-hmm. but remember it, prior to uh, Power of the Doctor, we were talking about, well, what are they going to do with the Timeless Child arc? It's kind of like, this is a thing that he did. It's a signature thing. How's mm-hmm. he going to wrap it up? And he kind of didn't, except counter view. He, he kind of did. In he, that he did by not doing, yeah. He he exactly he did it by not doing it, and this is ultimately why I think the power of the doctor ultimately, uh, I hope, but I feel this way. I think, but it, it made my I, I I now have made peace with that storyline, which I really mm-hmm. didn't like. Spoiler alert! I think anyone who's listened <laughs> to me the last couple of years, I mean, it's like all right, like you know, it's part of it's part of the show, but it's it's not it's not a thing I, I'm a big fan of. But I sort of made my peace with it because it's it's. I see it now. Well, it's kind of there in in subtle ways, right? So it's like you can infer from the master's plan to regenerate, to force the doctor to regenerate into him, that mm-hmm. he essentially takes over the doctor's body, yeah. and therefore he's now the timeless child. He's the special one, and he also has an infinite regeneration. So there is a logic yes. to it beyond just his clear issues with the doctor and needing to one up them and be them being the most important person in in the master's life yeah so yeah closing closing the book on the timeless child i think was was like we we can now see what chibnall was going for which is that he just he wanted to kind of brain and morbius this you know yeah just wanted to have the vague sense that the doctor has had more regenerations than you know about. Unfortunately, mm. he didn't really make it vague, right? Like the timeless yeah. child is a very, very specific plot. Uh, you can look back and see how he tried to make it a bit vague, like with it, all the stuff at the Irish police station. Like you know, is this a dream? What's happening? You know, the yeah. the, cl- the cliff edge does make another reappearance here, right? So that was one, right? Reference. Yeah. But yeah, we can we can just see that he kind of just like wanted yeah. to add this vague thing to canon, and he overshot. He did, and but with here by not bringing it up, mm. I think was the right call. The subtle references with the, the master's plan, as well as he kind of says like, um, I forget what it was, but it's like it, it, was this the first time? Maybe maybe not. You're for the, you, you were forced to regenerate once, right? Well, mm. maybe more than once. Who knows? You know, yes. he kind of says that at one point. So. That was kind of a vague reference to it. But ultimately, what this got me to think of the Timeless Child as is exactly your point. It's like Brain of Morbius or like the Valyard, right? Mm-hmm, both are canon, mm-hmm. like both explicit, but we just kind of like, eh, let's just, let's just never talk about that again. Let's just move on, you know? Like that's, yeah. And that's honestly like, it, it, there's actually a little bit about this in the, one of the books I like about the history of Doctor Who, a, a history, where it's like, this is what you do. You, it's, it's sort of like your canon, right? Not mm-hmm. just head canon, but like what throw out the stuff you don't like, include the stuff you do. And eventually this will become, you know, 10, 15 years in the past and maybe someone will do something with it. But if everyone just ignores it, which I kind of hope they do, like, yeah, yeah. and it's just, it's just not there. So well, you know. as you said earlier, Big Finish is good at filling in this stuff. We do yes. have a Fugitive Doctor series coming, I believe, because, you know, her character was kind of sold a bit short by just being a hologram. Yeah. Uh, so looking forward to big finish once again like almost like the clara splinter who we often bring up on the show like just cleaning up the doctor's mess <laughs> and in this case cleaning up the show's mess and and its loose ends like yeah, like, yeah. We'll, we'll wait to see what big finish does with it 
Okay, guys, last bit of other business. I promise we're going to start talking about Dalek very, very soon. But we also have to talk like there's like in addition to the power of the doctor, there was also like a good chunk of Doctor Who news. Yes. And the biggest headline of which is that the BBC is now partnering with Disney Plus. Again, this is old news to everyone listening, but uh, that that outside of the, the UK, if you want to watch Doctor Who now, it's a streaming show. And yeah. you got to subscribe to Disney Plus for it. And this is a massive deal, I have to say. Like this is this is a big landmark moment in the history of like the 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 show itself, mm. the production and distribution of the show. Because one, I, I never would have called this twelve years ago <laughs> when when BBC America took over, and it seemed like that was going to be the strategy going forward that yeah. we would one day see it depart the properties. Which again, I'm not saying it's not. It's a surprise. It's not like given how media has evolved and how the BBC and and their digital strategy has changed and their cable strategy has changed abroad. But holy cow! Like just looking at the history of it, like what mm. what a pivot from really? this. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's a generally positive one. I mean, my my first reaction was uh, that I tweeted about was like, did did seven year old me wish really hard because like now right. Star Wars and Doctor Who are going to be available, you know, in their entirety, I I would hope, on the yeah. same platform. Uh, BBC America, AMC, you know, plus never worked for me because it meant that you had ads. You had ads in the middle of Doctor Who when you yeah. were watching it first time in the US. Doctor Who was never meant to have advertising in it, ever. Yeah. And it's so it's so jarring for me as a British fan to see that here in the US. I gotta say, and there were so many ads during the Power of the Doctor. I watched oh the live broadcast God. on BBC yeah. America, and it was like, "Oh man!" No. <laughs> and they, re- you know, the, the way ads are on cable these days, it's you know they repeat the same ads yeah. many, many times in a two-hour stretch, and you're just like, "Oh, good God!" And like, you can't, yeah. like, you know, in, in America, writers, are, TV writers are sort of built to like expect ad breaks, you know, so you sort mm-hmm. of structure yeah. the show that way. Yeah, you're, uh, you structure the acts around ad breaks yeah. for sure. And even yeah. like shows that are really skilled at that do things like cliffhangers. And I, I remember Buffy and Angel, because mm. Joss Whedon wrote them for, and then they were written for US. I mean, every ad break usually is sort of a, a sudden cliffhanger. It's really great. Right, right. You get the audio sting of an orchestra yep. rising to a note and then yep. cut, fade to black. You know, you always have to sort of build the commercial in your own head when you're, say, watching Buffy now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm glad that that's not going to be an issue now. I think the Disney Plus thing is great for that. Uh, do we know, and is perhaps the new slash old diamond logo which i love so much yeah. um is that a hint that uh we are it's no longer going to be on Britbox that we are going to get all of the classic who on disney plus as well do we know anything about that that'd be amazing we don't know no confirmation either way mm. on that i was very curious uh i think it's another podcast to mm. talk about the logo and what it might represent going <laughs> forward mm-hmm. uh because i don't want to read too much in the logo yeah. Um, but it is interesting. It is way cool updating of it. Oh my but the God. last thing I want to say about the Disney Plus thing is that this is such a big deal, um, I think, also from a partnership aspect. So in addition to the part, like the, the existence of the partnership, which was predicted, is big news in itself. But yeah. how they announced it, uh, Shuti Gatwa made an appearance. Uh, as we all know, Shuti is the 15th Doctor and is mm-hmm. uh, going to take over from Tenet at yeah. some point. Um, but he made an appearance on Kelly and Ryan 
here in the States to basically make the announcement, which again, it's think about that. He comes to America, but mm. also like Kelly and Ryan, it's ABC, it's Disney. Yep. So they're, I think they're not just going to be a distributor here. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, and that's not to say they're going to have like creative control or whatever. Maybe they do. I don't know. But I think they're going to have more influence than uh, you might think. And yeah, I don't necessarily not... think that's a terrible thing, but it is like there's going to be like just the inherent nature of this partnership. There's so much stakes riding on both uh, on, on both sides that it's it, there. There's they're going to have more to do than just be the place where you pr- you you click play. They they are definitely, I mean, what Disney is great at is uh, advertising. Like we were complaining that the power of the doctor, like the, the you know, the, the word we never knew when it was coming, like the trailers seemed sort of haphazard. Like, you know, we've had this complaint for a few no- years now that it's like, we, we don't know when new, new Doctor Who is out. The marketing right. hasn't been great. Disney is hella good at marketing. And that's mm-hmm. mostly what they do. Uh, there was a Daily Telegraph story that came out this week. I just want to say to any American fans, really just don't believe what the daily telegraph says on anything first of all they, they're kind of they, they're a very brexity paper they're kind of off the deep ends they used to be reliable important, they're really not so much anymore they're important trying to be media a... tips here on pull to open it's a new <laughs> but also if you're worried about disney plus like the, the article basically said disney plus is going to have some measure of creative control or disney's going to have a measure mm, of creative control yeah that's quite it that's not it. It's not yeah. it. And and I just wanted to share as as a Star Wars fan, like I, I've been fighting this for years when fans are like, you know, Disney is ruining Star Wars or Disney is now in charge of Star Wars. Well, you know, we never said that for Pixar. We never said that for Marvel. They they are yeah. Disney. Why do you know, it's, it's kind of weird that we never talked about Lucasfilm as its own entity, but it is. And I, I just want to share the words of um, Timothy Zahn, who's a famous Star Wars author, when he was describing uh, we were on book tour together briefly. He was describing like the relationship between Disney and Lucasfilm. He's like, what happens is Disney brings one dump truck of money up to Lucasfilm on a Monday, dumps it off, co- <laughs> comes back on Friday with two dump trucks <laughs> to collect the profits. That's Disney. That's what they do. They give their creators creative control. You know, yeah. there may be a little bit of, you know, behind the scenes pressure here and there, one or two other things, but they don't like come in and stomp their big foot over everything and like just, you know, don't worry and certainly rtd is not gonna like what he's there's gonna be a disney person watching over his shoulder as he's late you know late night typing away in his scripts with a cigarette in his mouth in in wales no not gonna happen yeah there's not gonna i don't think there's gonna be anything like that uh in terms Mm -hmm. of that pressure and and whatever but i do think it's just because he, he can't get it out of his head and anyone working on doctor who can't not think that oh this is like did it's going to be on a disney plus show on that mm. app in the same place that uh Andor and the Mandalorian and all the Marvel stuff is and that's that's your audience in the world yeah. you know yeah. and that's like what effect that has maybe it's nothing i don't think it's nothing i think it's something but it, it's mm. certainly not that top down pressure that i think a lot of people misread yeah, i think that's not it but it is if- like it will have influence is all i'm saying if it helps think of RTD as the new Kevin Kevin Feige, like you know yeah. the way that he has total control over over the Marvel meta story, as it were, yeah. uh, you know RTD is an award winning screenwriter. Like he, he just everyone knows him, everyone loves him. He's he's going to have Disney's total confidence. So don't even yeah. don't even stress. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But again, to to the original point, I'm just glad I'm going to save some money. 
going yeah, forward. I don't seriously. have to do HBO Max anymore. That's a pricey <laughs> subscription, man. Oh, sorry, HBO Max. Yeah, as much as I love those social media guys, they were very responsive. Remember that way back? We had mm. corrected the spelling of In the Forest of the Night. And yes. It was K-N-I-G-H-T. And yeah. They, they messaged them and they fixed that. Boom, lickety split. So yeah. no, no offense, HBO Max, but you are a pricey subscription. Well, maybe by the time we get there, Disney will have just bought up all of HBO Max as well. <laughs> They're just <laughs> on a yeah. tear of collecting properties. So, All right. So we really weren't stalling, guys. There's just so much to talk about. <laughs> uh, I kind of might have been a little bit stalling. Yeah, you, now... you might be stalling like Stallman because it is time to do TLDW, uh, which is what we do every week on this podcast. We summarize... The show that we're talking about in this case, in case you forgot from 20 minutes ago, Dalek. Um, <laughs> it was actually 30 minutes ago, Chris. So <laughs> I might have to start this episode with a bit of a disclaimer. I might just <laughs> it in. Guys, we really went on. If you, you want to fast forward, you want to fast forward, just jump in half an hour uh, uh, and you'll get to the Dalek part. So every week we do TLDW, Too Long Didn't Watch, Too Long Doctor Who, Too Long Did Watch, in the case of Dalek, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, too Long Dalek Watch. Um, <laughs> uh, where one of us attempts to summarize the show in record time in one minute per New Who episode, which is what this is. And uh, Pete, it is your turn. It's my turn. It's I gotta your say, I'm a turn. Little, there's, a, there's a lot of inherent pressure in, on this one. I'm, I think I'm ready for it, but... Yep. You know, After we'll doing the Runaway happens. Bride, like we've we've you know regular fans know we we've been through a lot of classic Who, so coming back to new Who, it was like our, our muscles, our story summary muscles were not quite built up enough for these, you know, relatively fast store fast paced stories. So it's it's a bit tough. I think this is this the no no you you you've done some new Who stuff recently in TLDW. Did uh, I do did... the Witch Finders? Yeah, I think you did. You might have done that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, one of us, because we went to Rosa and the Witch Finders, like one of us did one, one of us did the other. So I yeah. think we're ready. I think you're good for this. You know, I, it I, is. It's working out. Yeah, it's one location, <laughs> a, you know, simple cast of characters, not to put any pressure on it, but I think you're, I think you're good. So. No, Are the you... only thing keeping pressure on me is my yes. webcam that I'm staring down like a Dalek Iris right now. <laughs> there, there is a bit of a blue glow, I, I gotta yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We do close all our tabs like we are flying blind when we do TLDW. So, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Here comes the official pull-to-open summary of Dalek in one minute in three, two, one. Go. Rose and the doctor materialize in a facility in Utah. It's underground and it's a place where they keep a lot of alien artifacts as well as an actual living alien. Uh, it actually turns out that this living alien is a Dalek. Uh, and it's uh, the arch nemesis of the doctor. Obviously, he wants to kill it, but he's captured. Rose ends up ac accidentally freeing the Dalek by touching it and it breaks loose. It repairs itself by tapping into the base's power and starts slaughtering everyone there. The doctor tries to stop it by keeping it sealed, but it seemingly kills seconds. Rose. And uh, he lets it loose when he realizes Rose is actually alive. But it turns out, plot twist, the Dalek has been mutating because of what it did. It had to sort of take her genetic material to regenerate itself. So it's becoming more emotional, more, more human in a sense. And even though it wants to kill the person who's been torturing it that whole time, it's Rose talks uh, the Dalek out of it and almost frees it. But the doctor nearly kills it. The Dalek, Rose stops him from doing that. And the Dalek ends up actually killing itself um, because it's mutation. Hi. This is something that isn't Dalek, and that's terrible for it.
New Leaf. Hey. <laughs> With a new companion named Adam, oh, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, Adam, like, it's, it's such a thing with Dalek, right? That, uh, ooh, Adam's a companion because he traveled in the uh, TARDIS once. Uh, I think we may need to, you know, rewrite the rules on who's a companion. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm sorry, man. It is. I mean, we could we could start there if you want. I'm like, which it is. I got it. I got his. He's kind of a companion. He went to the far future and got the thing in his head. But maybe that's a, a debate. Well, Kate, Kate, much, Kate Stewart, job. Kate Lethbridge Stewart, is a companion now. Now that she's traveled in the TARDIS and the power of the yeah. Doctor. Well, she is. She was in the support group. I guess. Yeah. I guess she was just recruiting. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, the summary. Yeah. I think I got most of it. I did uh, probably. I think it was all right. I got like plus two seconds or something. Yeah, uh, I think you got that. I think you got yeah. that. Good, good job. Good job. It is. I think uh, it is deceptive, like the Dalek itself. It's kind of mm. deceptive, uh, deceptively powerless in a summarizing way. Um, but I think there's there's a yeah. lot of rabbit holes that could have gone down, but we're going to totally. go down most of them now. Um, but man, I just just started off like this is such a triumph for the new yeah. new who and it's such a pivotal episode in the whole series but for for doctor who at the time which was really like it was back and it was just starting to prove itself and showing kind of what kind of show it is uh to to this like all eyes were on this episode from mm. the the existing fans like if they screwed this up yeah. like it's over you know what yeah. I mean? Like this shows a flop. Like you got to bring back the the series premiere monsters, and you got to do it well. And yeah. not only did they do it well, they, this is a home run. Like oh, yeah. holy cow! Not, not only did they give all the fan service, and I would even say argue a lot of it's not necessarily fan service. Just making really. the Dalek, updating it, and making them formidable opponents. Like that's just what you need to do in the show for it to work at all. It's uh, not fan service. It's if anything, it's casual fan service. It's yeah. Oh, you've been making exactly. jokes about Daleks and stairs for years. Like we're really going to lean into the Dalek stairs thing. We'll get to why mm -hmm. you know remembrance of the Daleks got there first. We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it is important to situate ourselves in space and time first of all. That this is season one. This is this is the show proving itself. This is Eccleston still figuring out his character, the Doctor, still proving himself. And think about what came before this. Like what what do we have? Rose. It, it's an okay opener like it, it does the job uh the uh oh god the end of the world was was the uh going forwards in time to the end of the earth one yeah uh, again eh, you know yeah we've mm -hmm. seen that before yeah. eh, it's okay uh you know the unquiet dead okay cool got a cool guest star uh you know aliens of london world war three hmm you know, <laughs> you might say it's split fans of the show. Yeah, split them right down the middle of the right. head with a zip. Zip. Yeah. Ah, you went there before <laughs> I did. I gotcha. But yeah, the Slovene, you know, is a bit puerile. It's like, okay, are they, are they going a bit too much in the this is a kids show direction? Right. Um, and then you get this, and mm. look at what happens to season one after this. Uh, like with the possible exception of the long game, which is next, the Simon Pegg episode, we're going to have to rewatch it, I think, to form an opinion on that. It is one of the most extraordinary runs in Doctor Who history from this onwards, right mm -hmm. to the through the end of Eccleston. You know, we've got Father's Day, we've got Empty Child Doctor Dances, we've got Bad Wolf Parting the Ways. I even like Boomtown. Like that was an 
yeah, very nice, good. you know, just sort of slow the pace down a little bit. You know, Doctor has dinner with the Sladeen, you know, basically. it. Uh, you know, you kind of need those, you know, not everyone can be a banger, those subtler, quieter, yeah, more philosophical totally. episodes. But that, that run... I mean, I remember I was watching it at the time, and I think I, I watched Rose, and I was like, eh, okay. You know, and I watched a few more. And, eh. I did not actually see Dalek until the next year, because I just kind of tapped out at that point. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so more fool me. Uh, because, yeah, this is also where Eccleston comes into his own, as as the scared Doctor, as the, you know, uh, last of his race Doctor. Like, we hadn't really explored that. We hadn't talked about the time war too much. It had mm-hmm. just been teased up until that point. And here it all comes out, and it still gives me chills. Like, I, I will say, little meta behind the scenes pull to open thing. I, I normally don't go straight out from one episode of pull to open to watching the next Doctor Who that we're, that we're covering. I did that this time. Oh, wow. Like, Literally, like... as we hung up on the call last week, I went and watched Dalek. I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to set this up on my Apple yeah. TV, right? I'm just going to watch the first five minutes. Oh, no, no. I had to watch the whole <laughs> damn thing. And I would, I will go further and say it's not just one of the best episodes of Doctor Who. I think it's, it's like a masterclass in TV writing. In yeah, general. I'd agree. I'd agree. Because yeah. it is so tight. Not a scene is wasted. Yeah. Not a scene is wasted. Everything is all. Everything is just pivotal, and it just they get. It's everything's a ten. Yeah. Throughout. Yeah. Um, even though it's nine. Even eleven. Everything's a ten. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yes, Eccleston. He's a ten, but he's really a nine. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. It's uh, apparently it went through fourteen different drafts between uh, that, Robert Sherman and, does that include and Jubilee? <laughs> yes, so that's the other thing. Of course, we have to mention it's based on oh. a Big Finish special right. that Robert Sherman also wrote called Jubilee, which uh, I actually started listening to last night. Um, Pete, you've, you have listened to it. Um, no, no, I haven't. I've never listened no? to Jubilee. Oh, wow. No, yeah. Actually, I meant to in prep for this, uh, for this edition, but I couldn't do it. Um, I've, it I've read enough about it yeah. and enough summaries about it to know what happens. Yeah, same. Um, there's, there's a single Dalek in that, um, but it's sort of in an alternate Britain timeline. It's sort of Dalek meets Inferno, right? Yeah, and I think I think some of the all this like they took the best elements of that obviously, and I think virtually all of it works. I think the one thing that is still a bit of nagging question for me, and I might as well get any nitpicks I have out of the way mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. at the start, which is that you never really get a convincing explanation for why the Dalek never talks to Van Staten, and it's all implied mm-hmm. that because he's been tortured, there's kind of this bitterness and resentment that I'm not even going to give you the time of day. But it is a weird kind of choice given Daleks, who we know are generally leap at the chance to say what they're doing or, you know, just have have conversations as banal as they are. Mm. You know, it's, it's that's the one thing that I would might say, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's a really minor nitpick, I got to say, like, because otherwise, like, in terms of the story, it's completely fine. Yeah. Uh, but it is like yeah. when you when you step out of it a bit and look at Daleks broadly, it's like, OK, why why didn't you talk to him? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can nitpick this. Uh, I certainly have my own. You have to sort of dig really deep to find the nitpicks. Really deep, honestly. Really That's... deep. And yeah, we don't want anything that we're going to discuss uh, to to take away the, from the brilliance 
of this episode, yeah. but it is explored further in uh, Robert Sherman's target novelization of mm. Dalek, where it's sort of revealed, you see it, a lot of it from the Dalek point of view. And um, you see, which really kind of makes the fact that this is a Dalek being tortured, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of really comes to the fore. But it's, they really play it's that sort up, of, yeah. Yeah, they really play that up, but it's a young Dalek. That's basically mm. what they say, that it doesn't really know what it's doing, which really enhances the emotion of this episode. Well, I also just love that. that yeah. I love that it generally that, mm-hmm. that, that there's nothing special about this Dalek. It's not the Supreme Dalek. It's not the yeah. Cult of Sorrow. It's not the Special Weapons Dalek or, you know, the automatic ice cream Dalek. It's This is just a regular, everyday soldier Dalek. That's yeah. that's I think that's an essential component of it, honestly. That, I think it, it, it gets across... Uh, just w- how dangerous one of just one of these things is, and really yeah. gets at the essence of what they are, because you couldn't really get at that essence by with like a special Dalek. I want to you you want it to be the the textbook example of what these creatures, this race is, and why, because otherwise you you wouldn't get as well uh, uh, the sense of like why the Doctor has such hatred for them, because yeah. This thing, this ugly thing, is is the example for its entire race. Yes, yeah, and it it is a stand-in for the race, but it's also like it's the first time we see a sad Dalek. Mm-hmm. The, uh-huh. way, the way it lowers its eye stalk, like you really feel uh-huh. for it, and you hear it screaming, and you're super uncomfortable. Um, yep. But yeah, and so it does both of these things at the same time. Like you know, we we understand so much. You can come in as a casual fan, watch this, and you get the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know Billy Piper on set. We kind of didn't understand because she wasn't really a Who fan at that point. Uh, she didn't understand like why people were so scared of this thing. Then she starts acting opposite, and she gets it. You know, and the, mm-hmm. the lines draw her in, and she like totally gets it. You know, so she really sells the moment of being sad for the Dalek. Yeah, it definitely shows like how much uh, Russell Davies understands the Daleks, but also understood his job here. Um, and then, you know, credit to both Davies and Shearman because I, I know they, they had a lot of back and forth, totally in those 14 versions. Yeah, and I think they both had sort of, uh, I think Davies had a clear vision of what this episode had to do, and Shearman had a great story, uh, that just was just really riveting. And, and they both yeah. seemed to understand the Daleks well, yeah. Shearman, re- Shearman brought the, the idea of the single Dalek, right, which yeah. we've never seen. Um, and, and I would like, like to actually oh, just quickly. We've seen, th- we've seen uh, five, five doctors. <laughs> five doc- okay, okay, but like it's, it's you know that in, in a you know a, a, an yeah. episode with Dalek, a, a story with Dalek in the title. Like this yes. is the only Agreed. time we've seen a single single one. Um, I just knew the fans would would come at yeah, us for that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, we've seen single Daleks in in the context of like you know multi monster stories. Uh, maybe we also saw a single one in uh, Time of the Doctor, although I'm sure there were more than one in that scene. But I would I would like to suggest that there may be a a um, mathematical formula here at work, which is the fewer Daleks that you actually see on screen the better the story is. Because remember, we went to Genesis of the Daleks here, widely regarded as the best Dalek story ever. That only had three. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it's and there see- is more menace because you're basically only one of them on screen at the time, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that holds up. I will say, I, I think they used to boast that Asylum of the Daleks was had the most Daleks on screen ever in the, like the Dalek Parliament or whatever. And I would, mm. I think that lends a lot of support to your theory. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. But I with this one, the the Dalek episode, obviously immediately after this one is the Parting of the Ways, and as you mm. were just saying, that's that's a pretty amazing one too, and that had like yeah. a whole armada of Daleks. But I think I think that works in part so well because of the contrast. Yes. Like we've shown here how formidable just one is, and now there are thousands, if not millions, of these things. So uh, it's 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 a really uh, great sort of piece of just suspense uh, for that particular episode. Um, here, I think it's it's really great. Like, I mean, let's let's sort of break down a little bit what Davies mm. and and the story has to do. Not only does it have to reintroduce the Daleks and make them more menacing, and it totally succeeds, uh, but it also has to give us this new perspective on the Daleks and the Doctor post Time War, mm. and that's in the hands also equally, if not more, of Eggleston. Mm -hmm. And holy cow, does he get it! And holy cow, does he really rise to the occasion here? and make all the right choices in terms of his rage, his emotional level. Um, you could, if you look at those early scenes in the episode and contrast them to what he becomes later, I mean, there's just such an inflection point mm. when he suddenly realizes it's a Dalek. And he basically kind of spends the rest of the episode mostly screaming, right? But, and yeah. rightfully so. Uh, in, and, in both fear and anger. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously what we're supposed to extract from this is like not just how bad the Daleks are, but because they're bad, but what they bring out in him mm. and and his hatred just just boils over immediately. And he's he spends lots of times, a lot of time screaming at the Dalek, apparently when he says, like, I know what you deserve. Mm. And he says, exterminate in that kind of evil, devilish tone. That was his yeah. idea. Mm. Um, so that was you know, kudos to, to Eggleston. Oh my uh, god! And and the, the first moment, like I, uh, I'm curious what you, what your kids thought of this because, like, to to me, if I'm thinking back, if I was watching this as a child, like the scariest moment would be the Doctor himself, like banging on the door when he first sees it's a Dalek. You know, yeah. let me out, let me out. Yeah. Uh, like when the do Doctor himself is that terrified, has that much PTSD. Like he's a parental figure as a child. That's gonna yeah. be terrifying. What what did your kids think? They were just riveted. They were mm. just quiet. They were they were unusually mm. quiet during the episode because it's I mean it, it's drama. It's it's pretty amazing, mm. right? Like that he's acting against this machine, this thing being operated by someone inside that's mostly designed and you know is being the voice being done by Nick Briggs, who again always mm. great, but here in his first outing, pretty much. I mean mm -hmm. did other things, mm -hmm. but I mean his first outing as a Dalek, like uh, so so gets it. I mean for obvious reasons he'd been doing it. For audios and whatever else a lot before this but uh they were they were just mostly you know riveted by it and then just were like wow that was really really good i mean they both they both love the episode spoiler alert mm -hmm. um but uh yeah i mean that that's the thing i mean he's very undoctor like in this one uh not only there but like when he's screaming at the dalek to kill itself just go kill yourself and he just you know again he can't help himself he just loses it he just hates yeah. it so much uh and he has that spittle on yeah. his on his on his lip, and I think someone suggested, "Oh, we had a little spittle on your your lip there, Chris. Do you want to do that again? Should we do that again?" It's like, no way! Like that was That's perfect. Perfect. Like, yeah, it was perfect. And and it all, it's all a build up to that most undoctorish moment where he's not just pointing a gun, 
but like practically a dimension cannon, right? Like the <laughs> giant gun that he's got on his shoulder pointing at the Dalek that he's going to destroy it. Yeah. And wow, I mean, like this, this is the, one of the ways in which that I think this is a TV writing masterclass is it's really just kind of explores how far from yourself you can get as a character when you're scared of something. Yeah. And, and that's definitely like the doctor becomes the war doctor in that moment. Like yeah. he's, he is about to destroy that Dalek. He's, he's more violent there than we ever see uh, John Hurt later on. Yeah. Not you just know. scared, but like hatred. Like yeah. it's, it's both, right? Like, I mean, the hatred is important because it's, um, it's almost like, a, a divorced couple or a couple in the middle of a yeah. divorce, right? Like yes. they, they matter so much to each other. And it's just this deep feeling that has come out of their relationship. And it's just, mm. it, no, nothing can, no one can anger you so much as the person that had, you had this deep connection with. And it's somehow that's, that's because of their history. That's oh what's God. here. It's, it's just sheer hatred. You've just got, you give me the idea of like, you know, they're sitting in mediation and <laughs> the doctor's like, here's an idea, kill yourself. And like the mediator's just got his head in his hands. Like, oh, no, no that's, this could be we, we talked about this. This could be like, well, this, is, this could be a fun big finish where it's like, maybe it's the white guardian and the black guardian or whatever. Has to like sit the doctor and the Daleks down like, okay, guys, what are we going to do here? Every, every decade, every few hundred years, all of creation is threatened because of you guys. Yes. So let's calm the f down and figure this out and to that point the doctor is kind of self-aware in that he knows that his presence has done something yes i mean yeah, it is it is About rose's that. dna that that frees the dalek but it he he stirs it up and he knows it and that yeah, may be the great... most self-aware we've ever seen the doctor be it's a great moment where goddard is in, yeah it's in the elevator she's like why would it be a threat now and he just answers very plainly because i'm here Mm-hmm. And he's he's activated something just by his presence in the you know it's the Dalek hatred, but basically the Dalek's going to figure something out because I'm here, and it does. Mm-hmm. And that scene, I mean, we got to give so much props to so many people. Like that scene with uh, Billy Piper and the Dalek, and the way she plays it. I mean, I mean, again, I thought she Rose and Billy Piper are, are were great at mm-hmm. just grounding the show in you know, just realism that, you know, everyday girl and she plays it so, so well. And she has got those big eyes. It's such a perfect scene for her that, that yeah. get the sympathy. She's practically crying. Uh, and the Dalek is so manipulative here. Um, mm-hmm. It's genius. It's a genius. Like, I mean, there, there's been scenes in Doctor Who where the Cybermen talk about human emotions and like, well, we want to study humans to get to know them better and do things like this except the cybermen never do things like this like it's like the, <laughs> i love this is like the daleks schooling them and like okay here's how you manipulate you know use an understanding of emotions to manipulate because at this point it's not human right like yeah maybe it has some feelings but clearly it's just like okay he, it knows what it wants and it never says touch me it never yeah. like it never plays its hand it's just like it's master class of manipulation there. It was just amazing. Yeah. But is it I mean, there aren't a lot of easy answers in Dalek, which is one of the great things about it. So you gotta ask the question, is it manipulation? Like Dalek just mm. wants to be free because it is being tortured. It has uh it has been screaming. And and here's mm. where we I, I think we you know, I, it's not it's I don't not believe what, it's ever glad. <laughs> like it says like it's even capable of that i'm glad yeah. i met a human who wasn't afraid of me it's like ah uh, 
Yeah, okay, maybe he's going a little bit, emotion. but like it doesn't have to dig very deep to do the acting here, you know, in terms agreed, of like, <laughs> the intro. And, and this is why I think we, we need to, you know, not, not Chris's, Chris's History Corner because everyone remembers it, The War on Terror. Right. You know, 2005, this is where slap bang in the George W. Bush era, like we've had uh, the revelations of Abu Ghraib and waterboarding. It's very much in the news. And uh, what this show says is like it's not it's not like preaching at you because the Dalek is actually evil. It does actually want to get out and destroy things. But also like we see scenes of torture where that make us uncomfortable and if we are uncomfortable torturing a goddamn dalek like the most evil being in the universe and we're sort of made uncomfortable that scene where it's being drilled into like how does that make you feel about torture in in war in general right it's maybe more effective than a bunch of you know sort of preachy uh plays on the subject of the war of terror right it does what science fiction does best, it goes at one remove from current events and allows you to examine them from a quote unquote safe position, even if that safe position is behind the sofa. Um, yeah. And I, I, I kind of wanted to contrast this with, did you, did you see Children of Men, the movie? I did. Yes. Yeah. So that was maybe five years after this, but it was really trying to get at the war on terror, right? There's even that moment that is way too on the nose uh, where Clive Owen's character is like going past this uh, cage full of refugees and supposed terrorists, and there's one standing like the figure at Abu Ghraib with the sort of the triangular uh, mask over over his head, and it's like you know, eh. and you're like, children of men, I get what you're going for here, bit too on the nose, but mm. if you can safely remove it to humans versus Daleks, like here, you know, it is unquestioning that Daleks is our worst enemy. Like we don't even have to ask the question like we did with al-qaeda like well what are their actual motivations we know their actual motivations but it's still a living being mm-hmm. and this is why the doctor like could have destroyed them he, t- he could have genocided them in genesis of the daleks he could have touched the two wires together and he didn't even mm. though he knew all of this he was causing by not doing it because there was that essential humanity or gallifreyanity or whatever you want to call it inside him you know that we just don't do that we're better right that that feeling and and by the end of this episode he's lost it he's gone he's he's full on war on terror like he's full on terrified he's you know uh, he's like checking his envelopes for anthrax he's just you know just so paranoid at that point and it's so it's a fascinating examination of where we were in the world at that time yeah very much i i think yeah all that really resonates uh i think the um the Dalek being sympathetic, it's it's not a pure Dalek, right? At towards mm. the end. So it gets a like there's a couple of weird things where the analogy, like it's it's good analogy or it's a good uh theme, more than analogy, but it is uh, it breaks down a little bit because one, the Dalek sort of changes and like Van Staten is just so st- sadistic and mm. maybe we are to infer a little bit that that's just kind of what happens to dictator type people but mm-hmm. he there's no real reason to torture the dalek other than his own ego well let's, and, let's talk about van staten yeah. we, we haven't really brought him up yet uh yeah <laughs> like he's he's you know it's easy to sum this, summarize this episode without him and he was sort of the, the character that i most forgot like watching it again which is weird because in a way he's the villain 
Um, yeah. He's just this collector, and it's hinted that he's actually a shadowy conspiracy figure behind all U.S. elections. Um, and that yeah. is one of my like. If it reached deep for dud notes in this, I I go to uh, the the scene at the start where he's like, "Who do, who do we like for the next president? Uh, Republican or Democrat?" Uh, you know, and his aide says, uh, "Democrats." And he's like, "Why? Because they're just so funny." Uh, I'm like, "Was did that line even land at the time? Like the yeah yeah the Democrats yeah. were sort of like divided it's, in terms of their take right. on war and terror. It's all right, but it just but yeah, no, but, but so I, he's, I hear it's, it's saying, yeah, I, I he's the shadowy we, figure. He's a yeah. stand-in for America and American power in a lot of right. ways, right? Yes, totally. And I think it's one of those. it's kind of love it or hate it moment because it is Mm. so over the top. And I think it, you could only do this in series one Mm. in a sense. Um, Cause you look at how even in Davies time, like how they played the president Mm. in the sound of drums and things that they've done with sort of president of the world with the doctor, this just feels a little cartoony. Yeah. You know, like it's just a one level above that where there's a guy who owns the internet and, uh, it and again that that can work, uh, and I think that the show itself isn't sure yet if it's are we going to be a little more on the realism side? Like I, I don't see it as like one or the mm. other, more of a continuum. And uh, from Rose on, like you know, I think it had more license to be this sort of style, more music video, more like this is a bit of a, uh, a an abstract version of the world um, as opposed to something more realistic. So. Uh, that said, I'd li- I like Ben Staten. I, I think yeah. he's he's I, the guy who does him is uh, awesome. Like you love to hate him right off the bat. To where to the what we said earlier, like not a scene is wasted. Like the, there's a lot of like character building of Ben Staten early on, so you you know exactly where this guy is. Like there's that first scene we talked about. There's the bit where they get the toy or not the toy the uh, the musical instrument, which mm. both gets you to sort of respect him as uh i guess an intellect comparable to the doctor who can manipulate that musical instrument in the same subtle way he can but then he immediately throws it away again another great character moment like Hmm. you're just like what what kind of dick are you i'm bored with this toy now this alien you know musical instrument that you know it's not actually going to do anything for me it's going to be art you know screw art there's a lovely bit in the novelization that talks about uh, the portrait of himself that he's got behind his yeah. desk and how that was made. And the fact that he went to every great portrait artist in the world until he finally found one that would debase himself, you know, just doing a, you know, straight up, you're a powerful man portrait. Um, but it also said that he wasn't a fool and he knew that the portrait artist was doing it ironically, uh, but he didn't care. Mm. He's just like yeah. so seduced by his own power, uh, which is kind of the the key to Van Satten. He's, he's like he's the ultimate yeah. proof of that: the richer you get, thing, which has been confirmed by studies, the more of an asshole you are, because he, he, the more removed you are from regular human being life. That's such a I gotta say, if that 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 sounds awesome in a sense, like that's your power <laughs> move, right? You did it ironically. Well, I'm going to yeah. cancel your irony with my own irony. Yes, by hanging up your ironic painting ironically. <laughs> Therefore, it actually works, and it's like, oh my god, that that somehow that works. Yeah, uh, I mean, not not to say the dreaded T word, but it is something you can imagine Trump doing. Like, <laughs> you know, well, I love I that don't... it's just never referenced. Like no yeah. one even does a double take. You know, it's just like, oh, it's just there. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it's just, he's yeah. that guy who has this painting. It's like that's, that's exactly who he is. 
And maybe that's the one reason why you set this in America, because there are, there are so many reasons to not set it in America. First of all, British actors not always great in American accents. Uh, secondly, did you notice the dopper, uh, doctor uh, tapping uh, the uh, the enter key <laughs> rather than the return key on on his keyboard? Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that stopped me, but maybe only because I know that that See, to be a British American. I've difference. heard this criticized before. I actually kind of like it. Well, I know, yeah, the return versus enter, sure. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's also been criticized that he's just tapping a computer key to open this mm. thing. But I like that it's like familiar, right? That there mm. isn't some master switch that's super tactile. They do say early on, earlier, that they have to do some serious computer hacking to even get the base to work because it's depleted of power. Mm. So, you know, that was fine as much as tapping a return key or an enter key isn't super dramatic uh, uh, as a as a massive physical switch i thought it was fine yeah um the the, the other sort of real world thing that we have to draw attention to is the fact that this is set in 2012 which mm. was which seemed you know seven years in the future it doesn't really say oh i'll, I'll be uh 26 at that exactly. point exactly yep uh, which just Kind of maybe don't remind us that the doctor is traveling with a, a 19 year old woman. Um, <laughs> that he's kind of falling for, yeah, you know, these days that, that hey, may have that's, been... that's above the age of consent. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's an yes. adult. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but it does sort of bring up, now, Chris. <laughs> well, you know, there's the. You know, if this if this were a workplace situation, I think you know you'd have what nine hundred years nine hundred year old man <laughs> in a position of power over a nineteen year old. I got you. So you, yeah. so you want an eight hundred and seventy five year difference as opposed to an eight hundred eighty one <laughs> year difference? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, 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 yeah. You you make a fair point that it's sort of like <laughs> what's what's even the difference at this point? We're all nineteen year olds, the doctor. Um, yeah, but but also there's the 2012. The fact that it's set in 2012. Why? Why? There's no yeah. like, on-screen reason for that. Yeah, agreed. It, it is a little weird. I think you know, honestly, again, it's series one. They're trying mm. to show that this is uh, it's a time travel show, and this is sort of what happens. And then the, it, it's just a thing that Doctor Who. I think again, it, it's done it before. I mean, you think about Fury from the Deep, which we've just come mm -hmm. from, and they were definitely trying to do sort of future North Sea gas, um, and they had to—they didn't set it in a specific date, and only the animation, you know, locks it in in 1975. But right. it is like, well, let's do a little bit day after tomorrow. And in that case, I guess they had to show a more developed North Sea gas going on, but. Um, it also has the added benefit of like, oh yeah, well, we're, it's a it's kind of a time travel show, and if you go uh, jump a few years in the future, uh, that's what you get. And I think I think that's okay. Like, you can't make the show like you can't be scared to do that just because the show will probably exist <laughs> at the time that you will sort of pass eventually. You got to sort of take some risks and you know trust that the fans will make up headcanon and do whatever to fill in whatever blanks that. Uh, occur and I, I and you can do it right because one it's not very dated in terms of like fashion or whatever mm -hmm. uh, there might be some things you could pick at but you know generally there's nothing here overtly you know 2012 or 2005 even in it um plus the stuff that's happened since which people have talked about which is like oh the daleks are publicly outed in both doomsday and journey's end Everyone should know the Daleks. In fact, the show makes right. reference of that with Amy. Well, not only does it do that, it shows that Amy forgot, right? So yeah. you could always just say, well, the cracks in time, 
uh, everyone mm-hmm. forgot, including Van Staten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also imagine that Van Staten is not not a not a big reader of like UK news. He's not going <laughs> to see the Battle of Canary Wharf, and maybe he's in his own sort of media bubble. Uh, well, you know, Adam should... would mention something. <laughs> yeah, this you know this thing you're calling a Metaltron. I think I might have seen something about it on the news somewhere. Oh, that's yeah. right, Battle of Canary Wharf. Um, yeah. Uh, should, should we I, should we talk I, briefly about Adam? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, it sort of, it was surprising to me that Rose kind of immediately goes for him. Like she starts flirting the heck out of her her scene with him. Well, um, so far it's the only person her age, roughly, right? That yeah, she's kind of true. run into. I mean, apart from Mickey, who's already her boyfriend, kind of. Yeah, um, yeah, who was very quickly forgotten in that moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, let me let me bat my eyelashes at you while I'm looking over my uh, my uh, bare shoulder. Um, you know, so like, Adam, I think, is as a character is reasonably well thought out for this his mm-hmm. very limited run of the two episodes because here um, he's he's kind of likable off the bat. You know, like mm-hmm. he's kind of the young guy who's like a little bit smarter than Van Staten in some ways and he he's a bit more of a uh cipher for the male audience I guess because mm-hmm. you know he's he's kind of nerdy he's got a thing for Rose um but you big also into computers big, yeah big mm-hmm. into computers you know but he's also he's clearly got a bit of an opportunistic side to him yeah you know and then you'd which, have to to work turns Van a little, Staten. yeah exactly you turn a little he turns a little dark in Episode, his next episode where he sort of mm-hmm. uh, be, kind of betrays the doctor and by yeah. you know getting that surgery for himself um, and he also has his own stash of weapons here which again turns out to be save everybody but at the same well almost save it like I guess the Dalek technically saves everybody by killing itself but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's it shows that he's you know he's a smart dude and, and can can steer things in his um, in, in his direction so yeah. I, I think he works um and i you know you also feel like oh the doctor's believably annoyed by him uh, yes yeah Getting yeah he's based yeah it does definitely sort of set up a form for the doctor to be kind of uh annoyed at people who are kind of you know getting in the way of his quote-unquote girlfriends i mean we we saw it with uh louis the 14th in uh go on the fireplace right he's mm-hmm. the, the way he sort of brushes him aside um yeah, you're the king. I'm the doctor. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, there's, it definitely establishes a lot of things there. Speaking of the doctor, uh, as a uh, a thing that I forgot, and as sort of not not quite a sexual being, but at least a semi naked being, um, like I've forgotten, <laughs> Eccleston gets shirtless in this. Yeah. and we oh, were talking yeah. about shirtless Doctor Who episodes in uh, Spearhead from Space. We were asking if it right. happened. Uh, ever at any other point in classic who well you know here's here's the first time it happens in new who um, yeah like i said there like pretty much every doctor in new who has had a shirtless scene i think it's like <laughs> probably in their contract yep so we had tenant in i think journey's end uh yep. we've had matt smith a bunch of times <laughs> and, <laughs> and capaldi i'm pretty sure capaldi must have i don't know that's a good question yeah, maybe, maybe not. But yeah, this this is so sort of like it's so it's such a James yeah. Bond moment where he's he's strapped to a thing and you know they 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 look like they've oiled him down. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. If you're if well, you're again, 
Eccleston fan, like that's got to be one of your top scenes. Well, not a scenes wasted. Again, you get mm. more of this, a little bit, even more of that stat. And like every time we see him in that first half of the episode, there's there's more layers to this manipulative guy. He talks about how he would instead of curing the common cold, he'd do a, a million palliatives and just make mm-hmm. tons of money on it. Uh, but also, the scene serves as the first reminder in the new series that the Doctor has two hearts. Yes. So that's a big deal. Good and point. Bit by bit in the series, they're they're throwing in these classic Who things, almost Easter eggs, mm. um, and it sort of like comes to a culmination in School Reunion when, you know, up until then, it, 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 it there was never really direct reference right. to the classic series, like thing specific events in the classic series. Right, so, right, and then Sarah yeah. Jane uh, brings it all back. Speaking of uh, the the X ray of the Doctor, they uh, take there. This is kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of the first time we see the new extermination. Uh, you know, in in the classic series, extermination was they they would go negative. Mm-hmm. You know, you just negativize the film when you get exterminated, which was scary enough in itself. Then for like literally blink and you miss it, there's one moment in uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, right. Sylvester McCoy episode, where you see the skeleton for the first time. It's uh, like no one blinks, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. That was blink. a hard one to miss. That was yeah. a hard one to miss. But like it's super fast CGI. But here you really see it. You really see the skeleton yeah. inside. And it's such a good effect. Oh my God, it is so powerful. And... Uh, it is. It reminds you of what is most scary about the Daleks. Like for me, growing up in classic Who, uh, the the negative thing when you get exterminated was scary enough. Like it's a simple enough effect, but it's so spooky when you see it. Um, and and yeah. what what RTD has said about this episode, uh, you know, like you know, not not even the political stuff behind it, but like the overarching metaphor of it. Uh, when you see a Dalek like this killing so many people, this is about death. Mm-hmm. This this is literally about death. It's about Daleks being the Grim Reaper. You know, they're just unstoppable. They'll they'll come to us all eventually. Uh, you know, they they become death, destroyer of humans. You know, and, yeah, and I think, uh, can't reason with them. It's and like that, that happens again and again. Honestly, I think Davies. This is it shows how much he understands the Daleks mm. and what how to use them in Doctor Who. I mean, it's really kind of not a Dalek episode if there are tons of people slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And someone, at least one person you care about, you know, that yeah. you really have to like, otherwise, like, why, why have them? I mean, that's, that's what they're all about. Just killing everything. So here, even that guy, that one guard that we just talked about, who's the first skeleton negative effect, mm-hmm. you, you get a little, you don't get much of his character. Apparently there was tons of stuff cut and there was way more, uh, by the way, Adam was originally supposed to be like Ben Staten's son, which was a, yeah. a, a would have been a weird twist. But anyway, there's, there's those two guards who help uh, Rose and uh, Adam get out of the vaults. And the, the one guy dies right away, apparently had more lines. And the, the woman who eventually gets to the staircase uh, and is, has, a, has sort of a memorable death. Um, yeah. There was just tons of stuff. But yeah, he really gets it. And he really gets that, like, the, the, the Dalek. Well, you know what's interesting about it? This is a cool thing. I don't, I don't know if you caught this. But the Dalek doesn't actually say exterminate until it goes up and is about to kill Van Staten. Mm. It's a silent killer. Like, I love how the episode makes you wait for that. 
Yeah. Like, well, it says exterminate. Sorry, it says exterminate to the doctor. My bad. My bad. My bad. But it doesn't say exterminate right. when he kill like when it's killing people is what I'm what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just a killing machine, and and perhaps it's it is such a young Dalek that it hasn't uh, it didn't go to when you say exterminate class. Um, uh, you know, but it's interesting. Actually, like it doesn't say it. Um, and it's also interesting in the context of like um, uh, the witch is familiar. You know, when we learn that you know Daleks like when whenever they're really trying to say anything, like you know, uh, uh, Missy has Clara say uh, "I love you" or something, like inside the dark, and it comes out as exterminate. Oh yeah. 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 That's very cool. That's a good topic. Yeah. yeah, lovely, lovely Moffat line. But I'm I'm glad you. So let's go back to the staircase because, of course, again we brought up remembrance of the Daleks. Remember that the Daleks doesn't get enough respect. Uh, it's uh, for it's doing good a good amount of respect. It's a good amount of respect. Good amount of respect. We'll just see how much that's deserved when we get to it. But um, but it does have the first Dalek, you know, elevating yeah. up the stairs scene. Um, that was still. Th- this is still clearly better. Yes, like it builds up the tension. You know, it's like it's almost as if they pause for every member of the family to come into the living room. You know, you're like, you know, Mom, Gran, yeah. the, the Dalek has been stopped by stairs. Come watch. Like, you know, it really ramps up the temperature moment for then the Dalek to say, "Elevate," uh, <laughs> and it's beautiful. And Robert Sherman wrote that scene first. Hmm. in this episode like he wanted to get that out of the way you know as a doctor who fan certainly in the dark times you were sick of everyone saying oh the daleks defeated by stairs ha 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 so to put those casual fan words in in the mouths of the people who are going to suffer when this dalek climbs the stairs that is so extra creepy and i love it did that that work well for you oh my god yeah it was amazing and it's interesting how more resonant that one is than remembrance mm. even though like mm-hmm. it was such a moment such a i remember watching remembrance for the first time back in the 80s and literally jumping out of my seat like holy cow like they can't do mm. that you know like and it was such a huge thing so you knew kind of, i kind of knew they were going to do that like in this scene you know yeah. not i didn't know but i was like oh well they're going to show it's obvious. I mean, when, when, as, as fan, soon as they start as soon as yeah. you see the staircase it's kind of obvious yeah um and i love how adam mocks it with the, the exactly the the credit the line, and you're just like, oh man, like you think he's gonna die right then and there, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it works. It works super well. Um, again, I think I think people are like, why would it say elevate? Well, because Daleks just announce what they do. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's their, if they have a culture, that's what they do. I mean, like you know, move the <laughs> ship, exterminate, elevate. Yeah, it's, yeah. Never have a Dalek for a flatmate because they're gonna announce when they go to the bathroom. Uh, every time like evacuate um but yeah, speaking like, of things that, that I, the, I just want to say one more thing about that scene i like yeah. that guard the guard speech and mm. she's trying to talk it down and it's being she's being very reasonable and the dalek just isn't having it like it's just like i i no 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 i don't talk to anyone except time travelers you know like <laughs> you're you're just gonna be like you're just gonna be more cannon fodder here and she's just kind of dumb though i will say she's like shooting at it like it's just slaughtered dozens of guards. Why aren't you running too? Yeah, yeah. I do like that they ramp it up. Like, you know, you, you kind of believe that the guards at the end are like, they're, they're unsure, but their commanding officer is there and he's telling them to fire and they're sort of, they have the safety in numbers kind of feel. And then the, the Dalek electrifies the floor like by, yeah. uh, by hitting the, and you don't, 
like immediately get what the Daleks plan is when he puts the sprinklers on. And then you're like, Oh my God. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, uh, so speaking of things that like were deliberately written in to sort of take all of the stuff that casual fans laugh at when it comes to Daleks, the plunger. Yeah. The the first use of the plunger is that, is that the first use of the plunger? Other than to sort of like you to actually kill someone. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, the plunger, a lot of it is always just implied. And the the only time I I can recall in the classic series they literally do things with the plunger is two things. One, either they swap it out for, Mm -hmm. like, a thing that can zap through walls or whatever. Or, in remembrance of the Daleks, they, I've mentioned this before, they have controls that are specifically uh, plunger-friendly. And mm-hmm. while it's sometimes unclear what they're doing, like there's more for the plungers to do. Um, yes, doing the plunger, this is another thing Robert Shearman very deliberately put in, mm-hmm. is the, the plunger death of the torturer. I forgot the character's name now, but he it gets suckered to death, yes. um, which is a great moment, I, you know, because he actually says it. What are you going to do? And is it, <laughs> yep, that's yeah. basically what I'm going to do. I'm going to suck um, your face other than... Crush your Part skull. of what is great about that is that he doesn't even get to finish the line. Yeah. Yeah. What are yeah. you going to do? Suck me to ah! You know, yeah. like it's perfect timing. Perfect. It, it's and a bit so well, unexpected. So they haven't done it since, and I, I'm mm. curious why you think that is. And I'll tell you my theory. It's just that it's hard to make that effect look good. Like even here, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of clear sort of photoshopping that they're doing. Yeah, a little CGI. On, on the guy's face. Mm. Um, also, frankly, it is a bit gruesome, you know, if you think of what it's doing. Uh, so, and I think for some reason, the ray gun effect and just killing someone that way seems a bit more sanitized for a family audience. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't think anything about this is sanitized. Like I felt. Oh, no, not this. I, I mean, mm. like, why haven't they done oh, the, it the fact that, Well, like, I think never done a, a death like that since then. It it works for the torturer because he's so unafraid. So he's got to get his come up and so he gets close yeah. enough for it to happen. I don't think we generally see people get that close to a Dalek. You know, it has to be someone who, you know, doesn't understand. Like perhaps the Prime Minister, you know, Harriet Walter plays the Prime Minister in uh oh gosh, uh Revolution of the Daleks, was it? You know, the the, the Jody New Year special that it came a year. Oh after right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Revolution of the Daleks. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, the, it could have worked there, but it just would have looked dumb. Like, it, it's yeah. it's hard. To, I think to your point, it's hard to make it look good. It's hard to find a scene where a character gets that close to a Dalek for it to happen. Uh, but or, it's just or like, why wouldn't the Dalek just shoot them anyway? Because yes, in, exactly. in this case, the gun isn't working. Yeah, and it's the only thing it can do. But it, at least you know it can still do that. Yeah, it's uh, sort of like it's it's a hand to hand combat arm. Which, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so just to keep going on the like, I mean, the design of the Dalek, the mm-hmm. new Dalek design, because this is the first mm-hmm. time, obviously, the new series that they they, they appear. Um, it's it's still the same design. <laughs> here, yeah. here we are, seventeen years later, and even though they've tried other things, they keep coming back to the gold Time War Dalek design. Yeah. Um, cause they, again, it's a home run. They hit it out of the park. I mean, if you think about it, like all the things they did to the Dalek to update it were such good choices. Like first it is, looks like a tank, like yep. everything looks super thick. There are like rivets 
uh, the lights even up top look like they're they're larger and more durable. Mm. Um, the color, it's a single color, it's uniform, which I think you know it's the gold color makes it feel a bit cosmic. But if you're not distracted by like why are these parts black and these parts gray, and these other parts whatever yellow. <laughs> whatever you know sometimes in the classic series that you know not that daleks were particularly colorful but it was like you know they would they would just color them in weird spots you're like well that's what why is that even happening and you know maybe yeah. explain but uh i like that it's uniform that you're just not distracted by anything explain explain um yeah it, <laughs> i i do you know part of my head canon now is like maybe, maybe the daleks had a war with the cybermen at some point before they got there uh, you know, <laughs> they reverse things on the gold front. Um, in, oh, as yeah. we learn in Power of the Doctor. Like, if we make our casing entirely out of gold, we will destroy Cybermen. Um, like, maybe that's... But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Looking like a tank is exactly what you want a Dalek to do, because as Sylvester McCoy mentions in the uh, Doctor Who Confidential that goes along with this episode, uh, like, he, he brings up images of World War One. And then, you know, and suddenly like tanks enter World War One and the these huge, impersonal, terrifying machines. And then and and the Daleks are that, but they're smaller and they can get into your living room. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's what you want it to be. Force you to hide behind that sofa just like a trench. Also, totally. like in in addition, they have the for the first time these really deliberate, specific mechanical noises for mm. everything, which they could have edited out, you know, and um or i it, whatever like basically they included like clear like noises as it moved its head as it moved its even its gun you know when it mm. rotates you could you, it, it makes a noise and i think that's just really good choice it just makes them feel more real honestly yeah. it makes it just feel more tactile and it's not some fantasy sci-fi beast it's right here in the room yeah, for for all the the fact that Remembrance of the Daleks did a few things uh, first, like the uh, extermination with the skeleton, the the stairs thing, uh, this this is the first like this is the first time we see the casing open, right? Right. Yeah, it's exploded uh, open before. Yeah, but it hasn't actually opened open. I mean, there's a there's a bit in Resurrection of the Daleks where the heads go up. Right. So we'll get there. Not quite, not quite, not quite the same. the same thing. No, uh, it is the I believe the first use of the um, uh, the balls on the exterior of the Dalek. You know, yes, off. first and last. <laughs> <laughs> again, I think they did here and never did again. Is yeah, that, uh, but I like the idea that it's the it's the Dalek's suicide switch. Like if you need yeah, to pull yourself I mean, up. There's there's probably a ton of headcanon and lots of people have talked about this before. Uh, it's probably yeah, certainly like it's their self destruct mechanism, but is it also a thing that does something else that can also like in other words, is it a thing that functions as something else all the time and then can also mm. be used to destroy itself? You know, like I don't know. I think because I, I like to think it's that because it's like otherwise like why have this self destruct thing on your skirt all the time? I, uh, I like to think that it's like Daleks have got to be really good at tennis or really into handball or something <laughs> like that. Never without a ball. You know, you just, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they, they can catch them with the sucker. Like it's uh, Daleks are actually pretty well built for sport. Yeah. And if they ever lose, they could just set one off. You know? <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Take that Wimbledon. But yeah, um, I, could, I could go on about like the details. Like there's that neat little thing about underneath, right underneath the eye stock. That's just a symbol that's never really explained. Mm. But it's like, it's another thing that just, you could make up your own headcanon. It just makes it seem more alien and real. But the thing I really want to highlight 
is the for the first time you see that rotating midsection. Yes. Which I thought, like, you know, yes, fans have seen them climb stairs before, but we've never seen that. For me as a fan, mm. a longtime fan, that was like an OMG moment. That is so cool to see that yeah. dog midsection just rotate and just be able to exterminate people all around it. Uh, and the way genius. that that's like it's 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 a series of steadily evolving reveals of what this dialect can do, right? It's mm. the episode all not even self-consciously, fully consciously, just like, we are going to change it. You know, everything you thought you knew about the Daleks is wrong. Like, here's what they can do as well. Here's here's why they're such effective killing machines. We're going to show everything. We're going to yeah. use every tool in our arsenal. And that was, that is a great one. You're absolutely right. I got chills at that moment. The midsection is turning to the left. It's turning to the right. It's shooting soldiers all around it. And you believe it when the doctor says that this one Dalek could annihilate all of Salt Lake City. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Totally believe it. Well, especially with that force field. Um, mm. So again, this has been written about to death, but the reason that it has this force field that vaporizes bullets as they come in is because they, from from a practical effect standpoint, they just couldn't afford it with all the gunplay and mm. being shot at. They, it, there were too many moments where they would have had to show like sparking from the bullets on the mm. dollar cases so, like we can't we can't do it throughout so they're like well we'll say it has a force field too and like talk about serendipity it's like oh wow now this thing is even more believably formidable and yeah. you do need that bit of throwaway dialogue where the doctor is like look it's got a force field but it's not invincible like you you can hurt mm-hmm. it if you mm-hmm. concentrate your fire and they kind of ignore him for uh, like <laughs> what why would you not listen to this guy um even though they uh, I, I would have actually liked to see though because there was so many bullets like it, they, they kind of didn't need to concentrate their fire there were so many people shooting at it in that scene mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i would have liked to see more sparking or something just to show that some of their bullets were getting through mm-hmm. um maybe that was what they were trying to do and there was the rain and it wasn't entirely clear um but it is like the yeah. That's kind of what. The, how could you not concentrate your fire in a situation like that? It's like, uh, yet it's still you know still formidable enough to take it. Indeed. Uh, f- another one more first for this episode. I believe this is the first use of a choir for the music. Mm. Uh, like you know, Murray Gold uh, decided that that's what the reemergence of the Daleks need. It it really worked for me. What did you think of the of the music in this episode? Oh yeah, scary. And it just shows mm. that how like scary and scary epic, you know, mm. it kind of reminds me of that final scene in Return of the Jedi where mm. the choir the starts up as the the uh emperor's, you know, zapping Luke. Mm. And you kind of you kind of need that, you know, for your your arch villain this this kind of like uh, <laughs> somehow the universe is going along with the the epicness of this moment and it's just it's this choir has risen to like oh yes it really uh, just sort yeah. of emphasizes the the raised stakes i thought you were going to mention the choir in uh in phantom menace uh in star wars where they really like that one of the best things about that film right is the the duel of the fates uh over the oh, uh yeah no that's a good the, one too uh, yeah yeah but they really john williams really ups the ante on the choir and that that is the uh, one part of Phantom Menace I try to yeah. think about if I ever think about yes. that movie. I just have sort of trained yeah. myself not to, I think. So this is not the first time that a Dalek was called, mistakenly called, or mistaken or deliberately called something other than a Dalek. 
because mm. of course genesis of the daleks they are type three travel machines mm, uh, true. am i am i getting that correct what about mark three i believe mark three travel yeah. machines uh what what are some other like you know we know that they're called drones in uh revolution of the daleks you know the prime minister's announcing these sort of super drones outside downing street um there does seem to be a bit of a Doctor Who history of like just calling the, the Daleks something other than Dalek, right? Mm. Uh, especially when you don't know what they actually are. Uh, can you think of any others? That's a good question. Maybe in the novels. Mm. Have to think about that one with, there's like a sequel to, no, 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 they would have been known because this is a sequel to Dalek Invasion of Earth. Um, yeah, those are I the mean... main ones. I think it's huh. a good like. What, what did you think of Metaltron as a as a name? Like, it, <laughs> I, it's very I Van Staten. Yeah, exactly. I love how bad it is. It's like this is like <laughs> the worst thing you could think of, and yet it was like, oh, everyone's like, you know, yes, man, and naughty log. Yep, great. We'll yeah. Call it the Metaltron. Like, sort of the it power of the CEO sounds, moments. It sounds better in an American accent, Metaltron. <laughs> like, I've been watching too much Tron. Yeah. What was the other yeah. thing that was recently? Re- the Metaltron, uh, or did I make the same joke about Galvatron and Megatron? <laughs> it just sounds like it's one of those, uh, one of the, what it's just a transformer or something. Yeah. So you know, in the in the creation of this, uh, you know, they they almost didn't get the rights to use the Dalek from Terry Nation's estate. Um, ironically, because the, yeah. they felt that the Dalek had been so overused. Daleks have been so overused, so over-merchandised. And you got to think they were worn around by the fact that they were like, but we've never seen just one, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so, and that's why they finally gave their um, uh, their blessing to it. But the, this was almost going to be the Toclophane. Uh, right. It was going to be kids inside machines in a Dalek-esque way that just destroy stuff. Interesting alternate history, but I'm so glad that, that, that the nation estate gave in. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing about the war, like basically the negotiations broke down. And so there were issues mm-hmm. like basically they both sides came out or at least the BBC came out and said, yeah, we're not going to use them because we couldn't make a deal. Uh, clearly, that was some kind of negotiating tactic that worked and they made the deal. And I don't think the terms of it have ever been really um, revealed. I think mm-hmm. there was a rumor once that they had to include the Daleks every season, huh. but I think Moffat kind of denied that at one point, although they kind of have been in every season. Yeah. If you kind of look back, um, even though some of those in the Matt Smith days were, were kind of cameos. Yeah. Um, here well, that, there, that would certainly explain uh, the power of the Doctor and how they're kind of underused <laughs> in that, uh, I would say. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm glad they worked it out. I'm glad, you know, I remember hearing about it like, oh, that's going to kind of suck. I mean, you kind of want the Daleks. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Who without the Daleks is diminished, you know, um, it just is. And the thing is, the Daleks without Doctor Who are nothing, Yes, you know, like that's the thing. I mean, they're like they're totally worthless outside of Doctor Who. I don't know what, like, who are you going to make a deal with? Like, they, they, I know sure. they in the 60s, there was this fantasy that they could have like Dalek standalone movies and they would be a standalone yeah. franchise, which it never came to be. There's been a lot of written about this in Doctor Who magazine. But just thinking about that, I mean. Like how how would that even work? And I know like I there are exceptions to this rule of like the villains coming out and being their own thing. Like Venom, for example, mm-hmm. uh, in Spider-Man comics is now uh, its own franchise. 
but I, I would still argue I don't think Venom works super great outside of yeah. outside of Spider-Man universe. I mean, you know, the, the yeah. box office notwithstanding, uh, you need you need good versus bad. You need you know Superman and Zod. Uh, you know, or yeah. Superman and Luthor. Right, is probably a better example. You know, uh, yeah. Every every hero needs needs his opposite and. Uh, the Doctor and the Daleks—they just have such history and 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 such—they are so opposite in so many ways. They absolutely work better together. I that said, I did love the Dalek comic strip from the sixties right. and seventies. That was just them, the Emperor Dalek, and all of that. Well, um, they've done really Dalek Empire it. stuff too mm. in uh, mm-hmm. Big Finish, so you know all that's all kind of notwithstanding. And I, I agree; I'm sure some of that stuff is great. I haven't listened to it. Uh, but to your point, it's just better. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's full self if it's not played as an antagonist to the doctor and you can certainly overplay that and i I would argue themes and stuff from this uh episode in this episode where they're fresh and done perfectly well are amazing but they did end up playing this song again and again of the doctor and the daleks the time war Mm -hmm. mutual hatred Mm -hmm. um to to probably diminishing success the more they did it throughout the uh the new series right and yeah there are yeah, exceptions yeah. but uh i don't know if it ever really rises to this level of quality that we see here in dalek yeah speaking of big finish we did mention that this is based on rob sherman's episode uh, big finish story jubilee which is i'm gonna give big finish a plug here because this it's just 2.99 uh two dollars and 99 cents uh on big finish today go give it a listen it's amazing it is uh it is one of the best intros that i've ever heard to cold opens as it were uh to to almost any doctor who story because it features a a sort of a fake uh doctor who movie trailer from within this uh, england empire world uh and you just sort of get to the end of it and it's like you know, uh, you will be told which cinema to go see this in. Attendance is compulsory. You know, <laughs> the great English Empire, and that's the cold open. You know, smash cut into the theme tune. So it's worth it just for that. It's worth it for Rob Sherman's writing. Uh, I will also say a few more things about Rob Sherman's writing. Uh, he, the more you dig into his stuff, he likes to write dark content about Nazis specifically, yeah. uh, which of course we all know Daleks are basically just metal Nazis. And uh, here's what Wikipedia says about his controversial early play called Easy Laughter. Uh, You think it's a Christmas comedy, uh, but eventually reveals itself to be set in an alternate history where the season celebrates not only the birth of Jesus, but the successful extermination of the Jewish race. And you're like, oh my God, like Mm. I get shivers from just kind of hearing that um, description. Uh, There's a, it was an award nominated short story that was about, uh, a disillusioned marriage, disillusioned marriage, and this guy in a marriage that's going bad, but also a guy who goes to hell and falls in love with the talking ghost of Hitler's ch- pet dog, Hitler's childhood pet dog. Like, whoa, what, what, <laughs> what? Um, kind of glad clearly... that one wasn't adapted into an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we, that's when Doctor Who run, runs out of ideas when they adapt uh, the talking ghost of Hitler's <laughs> let's childhood kill, pet let's dog. Let's kill Hitler's dog. <laughs> Um. <laughs> it was childhood pet dog um not even the cute german shepherd um yeah so i like that he's got his themes i like that he likes exploring the, the darkness and humanity and that's really where dalek came from like he fully understands that the daleks are the worst of us 
Right. Yeah. You know? Well, because but, again, like what they bring out in us mm-hmm. and our, our mm-hmm. heroes is definitely. Um, interesting though that, yeah, he's got that history. Um, if mm-hmm. he's got, he might be the go-to guy for dystopian dictator futures. So really? I wouldn't mind really? seeing, seeing what he might do outside of uh, a Dalek episode. Um, and, and speaking of uh, controversial, like uh, Rose basically euthanizes the Dalek here. I've I've got a little note here. Rose quote Doctor Kevorkian unquote Tyler. Um, like is that could you headcanon this to be something to do with Bad Wolf that she hmm. because what she appears to be doing here? Obviously, no, we know this isn't the case, but she's like actually allowing the Dalek to commit self genocide if it's the last of its race. So, yeah, she is. This yeah. is actually you're kind of jumping ahead to me <laughs> for me because this is actually what I wrote down is what if the evil plot had succeeded? Because mm. the evil plot, um, to me is there. There really kind of isn't one um, in that mm. the, the Dalek hates its mutant itself and must commit suicide according to its own sort of philosophy. Um, and the only way it might not do that is if Rose refuses to give it orders because in its twisted brain, it feels like it needs an order, um, mm-hmm. which again, one, that's a clever script twist because it actually gets us to hear the Dalek scream obey, which is another mm-hmm. their, their second most popular catchphrase. Um, so we get that too here, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then if it doesn't do that and survives, what does it become? Is it yeah. then... Um, and I think that question's answered eventually, right? Like it dies here, but you you get um, versions of that answer in Dalek Sec. Mm. You get versions of that answer in Rusty from the uh, Into the Dalek, and even that Dalek we just saw in Power of the Doctor, who was all like, "Hey, our race should be destroyed," and he had weird sort of reasoning about like, "Well, we were supposed to preserve the college race, but they're gone." Right, so yeah, which is die. wonderful, wonderful logic, and uh, yeah. I don't think I've heard that logic from a Dalek before. Like that's that's kind of he's he's got to be blowing some Dalek minds with that philosophy. <laughs> um, but also, it's calling forward, um, uh, it's I saw a foreshadowing of which is familiar here. Um, okay, specifically, like the Dalek just wants to see the sun before it dies. Like it right. opens its casing, it sees the sunlight, which is what Davros says. You know, when he's supposedly dying, gets a bit of regeneration energy from the doctor because he just wants to see, let's see one more sunrise. And of course, that's all a plot. So I actually rewatching this, couldn't remember how Dalek ended. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, so, so I kind of assumed that it was that too was a ploy. Right, oh, that, okay. uh, that it was just sort of like pretending to want to see the sunrise. I think because I, I did have sort of uh, PTSD from from the witch's familiar of that moment of like, don't do it, don't don't let it see the sunshine, because um, uh, I couldn't remember there was like one more twist. Um, but I wonder if if Stephen Moffat in Witch's Familiar was playing with our expectations uh, from yeah. from watching Dalek. Well, I gotta say. It this episode again coming so early, and because everyone is at ten or above, you really believe everything. Mm-hmm. And um, in other words, I think in terms of subverting expectations, this was the episode to do it, and I believe it sort of successfully does that um, in an earlier scene where they actually convince you Rose has been killed. Um, mm-hmm. Not not entirely, but it's like the series is so new. 
And Eggleston sells it so well. Like, you're kind of in the back of your head. Did they really just kill her? Like, you know, even though you're kind of pretty sure they didn't because all you heard was the gun and you didn't see anything. And of course, it's right. a moment later, it isn't. Um, that it so, can't, yeah. But yes. yeah, Eggleston has that wonderful scene of like, he has to measure his trauma, his trauma over the Daleks, over his love for Rose. And yeah. that is such a dramatically tense moment. Oh, it's Fantastic. beautiful. And he gets, yeah. you know, like, again, so emotional, so believably um to just wrecked and he rips mm. into van staten there and does a perfect dressing down of him as like you know you you know i wanted to touch the stars no you just want to bury them underground and label them but he mm-hmm. does it in such a way that is like he's not he doesn't say it like i just said it like very deadpan he's just screaming mm. at the guy and he, yeah. then he just for a second later he's just sort of remembering how young rose is and how you know how much she was just this innocent person that meant so much to him mm. um and of course, she's okay. <laughs> yes. By the way, one one my favorite Rose line in this is it's almost Moffaty. Uh, this moment where the Doctor and Van Staten are kind of going at each other, and she just says, "Blimey, you can smell the testosterone in this room." Yeah, that was a little <laughs> bit of a like predictable line at that point. I just yeah. felt like it's like okay, because um, the Doctor's like honestly, he's, it was okay, but it was just like the Doctor's just responding to the guy like. Is he like I don't know I didn't I didn't get a lot from him Bad Staten certainly, um, but anyway. yeah, yeah I don't know I think the the doctor has more of an edge like we were talking about the Louis the Fourteenth thing, uh, you know he does it does he's kind of an undercurrent that he he does kind of talk to people and kind of muscle in on his uh, yeah. on his action especially if they're all getting all masculine and up in his face that's um, true I mean he is yeah. a man at this point yeah. and yeah. you know so. Yeah, it is, he it had is to regenerate a few more times to find out what it was like without so much testosterone. Um, anyway, is it is it time? I think we've sort of kind of uh, well, exhausted had, all of our love for the show, but what, what do you got? I, I had one more thing to key in on, which mm-hmm. was kind of, this is, I'm going to get into Uber fan corner here. Sweet. Um, but I was, I recall sort of feelings from seeing this the first time. And there's something that I think they didn't that, that I think this sort of implies that they ended up not doing that I was a little disappointed by. So I'll mm-hmm. explain what that is. Uh, this the line where he says it's it must have fallen through time, the only survivor. And mm-hmm. I remember even while I was watching it the first time, well, why couldn't it just be a Dalek prior to the time war? You know, like this sort Good of point. linear time perspective that doctor who just kind of defaults to kind of makes sense from a storytelling perspective but you know the this this should be a thing that is more done and talked about in the show i think like timelines getting messed up like in you know certainly the river stuff with being in reverse is is a good example of that of the sort of taking advantage of time travel but yeah, I, remember... I think that that sort of only doesn't work if you kind of if you've seen Day of the Doctor, right? And you know how the Doctor thinks he destroyed all the Daleks. But I feel like at the time there was the sense that the Time War had wiped out the Daleks as if they had never existed. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like that, you know. Mm-hmm. I actually really like that idea that oh, the the Daleks aren't just destroyed; they've been erased from history. Yeah. Like that's cool. Um, and I don't think, but then that, that never, that, that, that's not what they did. (laughs) Like, uh, so I kind of wish they would do a storyline like that where, and they probably have, and I'm just not thinking of it, but it is like, 
not but not just a story like a storyline where some some entire race is or or sequence of events is erased from history and they sort of have to fix time mm-hmm. uh, in some way i think that could make a pretty good sort of season-long plot um, totally but totally uh so yeah. I, you know, RT, rtd call us once again but again this is this script is fine it's a total tour de force i just i feel mm-hmm. like there's some untapped potential there that got my sort of headcanon going that was then sort of diminished later um but yeah mm-hmm. potential to be tapped. all right indeed as as there is in the best of doctor who and speaking of the best of doctor who is it time pete is it time for the four questions it is time now for the four questions to doomsday i just like to add my own afterwards like we we now know to pause for the audio sting uh <laughs> but like i like to add my own sting all right question one why did the randomizer take us here you want to take this first Sure. Uh, and I've got a really nerdy one that you uh, may not realize because I, I watched the Doctor Who Confidential episode uh, last night that goes along with Dalek, uh, narrated by Simon Pegg. And uh, it has in it uh, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, and Sylvester McCoy. Nice. Uh, the Guardians of the Edge. Like, we, we didn't talk about this in The Power of the Doctor, but like, that's, you know. They, hey, we'd be here all day, man. Yeah. All right. <laughs> But like that, that's where my brain immediately went. Yeah. Uh, I also felt that um, the randomizer clearly has one eye on, you know, current, current who. That's why it took us to Runaway Bride, right? With the Doctor okay. and Donna. Um, I feel like a power of the Doctor would have whetted the randomizer's appetite for for Daleks. Uh, like even it, we've talked about it, like that 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 philosophy of the Khalids are no more, therefore. Daleks need to destroy themselves. Right. Um, kind of has the potential has potential to change everything about um, the, the Daleks' existence in Doctor Who. Um, but it was sold short, like it just that that was not explored. That yeah. was pushed to one side. Turned out to be a complete distraction. Um, we also asked after Runaway Bride, uh, was that the first time that uh, New Who got a bit genocidey? Well, asked and answered. <laughs> Asked and answered, randomizer. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Um, I, I definitely had that uh, a, a similar connection to the Runaway Bride. So the pivotal moment in the Runaway Bride, one of them anyway, is when Donna says, "You could stop now," and yeah. it's one of these moments in New Who, for early New Who, where the, it shows why the Doctor needs companions, but also that he needs to be reeled back in from his sort of time war war doctor type self. And that is 100% Dalek. Like mm. with Rose at the end, it's not the one pointing the gun at me. What are yeah. you changing into, Doctor? Yeah. Uh, like such resonance there, right? And it just feels so important to yes. both the show and what the show's trying to say. Um, like that to yeah. me is the, the clear bridge here that the randomizer's making. Totally, totally. It's the first sort of lonely god moment that we get for the Doctor, the first oncoming storm. First time we really see uh, what we thought and what everyone thought at the time was the War Doctor. You know, yeah, we yeah. all assumed Even that Eggleston... Yeah. <laughs> Even Moffat yeah. thought that. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, John Hurt was only a last-minute invention because we couldn't get Eccleston. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of glad that that happened. Obviously, it really turned into a home run, but... Um, 
but yeah, that's like you could totally believe that this was the Doctor who went through the Time War. Um, so yeah, yeah, very, yeah good, very good job, randomizer. One other connection I'll just say is that mm-hmm. coming so soon after we've seen Power of the Doctor, this is a good reminder mm-hmm. that throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, at an episode does not necessarily make it good, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is so epic. And it is so sort of small and tight by comparison in terms of a production. Um, But man, holy cow, does this send massive shockwaves. It is totally. I mean, it's how it's how you do new who on an old who budget. Yeah. Right. Single location, minimal number of characters, only one Dalek. Uh, Like, yeah, a lot of CGI. And yes, that wasn't available to old who, but, but still like, the budget on this one would not have been huge. No, no, especially uh, in series one. Yeah, and it was still proving itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could just throw in other stuff. Like we haven't even talked about the Cyberman head. Uh, yeah. Cyberman head at the beginning that, uh, you know, the Slavine arm, like you know, a bunch of stuff that just sort of like it's nice callbacks. It's you you might call it fan service, yeah. but it's not really. Yeah. Um, don't don't forget the Davros reference. It's a, such a uh, yes. Reference. You yeah. your creator was it your creator would be very. Uh, he's talking to like uh yeah. to no he goes to van staten and says, oh yeah, like, yeah who created them and he's like a small t- a tin pot dictator you know the boss of his own little world you'd like him right yeah <laughs> <laughs> you'd love it yeah well that's sort of uh a good segue into question two yes what if the evil plot had succeeded and i've yes. already said mine that um the dalek is denied being uh, the ability to deny th- being able to commit suicide and therefore kind of becomes this self-hating Dalek that mm. might have ramifications to the universe uh, in the same way, say, Rusty did in terms of yeah. going out and trying to kill as many Daleks as possible. Yeah, yeah. My response to this is, f- first, the question is, is the evil plot Van Staten's plot or the Dalek's plot? Yeah. Um, so if it's explore if, that. Yeah, so if it's Van Staten, then maybe the plot means he succeeds in actually killing the Dalek. Like he drills. We know from the novelization, he's the drill has actually finally touched flesh. Like that's part of ah. the, the terrifying thing of this. Like he, they, they were on the edge of killing this Dalek. So, um, so it, was, maybe it's it took a while to get through the, the polycarbide armor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or maybe it's something more terrifying. Maybe Van Staten uses this to sort of, establish a global dictatorship to to reference jubilee right that it you you Ah. could just use you could use one dalek as your nuclear weapon to especially as he's already like picking presidents like he's already got that level of power what would having one dalek in his corner do for him so it basically you're suspecting he gets in to the casing figures Mm. out enough about the dalek and how to manipulate it Mm. Uh, or force it to do his bidding, like basically get some kind of device in there that he could kill the Dalek anytime. So he has to do whatever he says. Interesting. Yeah. Like if he, if he's prepped for it, he could give the Dalek just enough energy Uh, or or like it it could be a a kill switch, right? You could just flip it on like, okay, got Dalek. Now you can exterminate the people that I put in this room, you know, flip it off. I'm walking back in. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. I'd love to see a, a, of scene where Vad Staden is it echoes the first scene in Genesis of the Daleks where he's giving it voice control. 
you know, mm-hmm. turn right, <laughs> you know, now. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, like we know from Genesis of the Daleks, many other Dalek stories, that doesn't work out very well. Yeah. They will turn on you eventually, especially if you try to produce more. <laughs> but if he was smart enough, he'd just keep it to the one. And yeah. that's his kind of nuke. And speaking of nukes, I think that if if the Daleks' evil plot had succeeded, you know, assume it does get out, assume it does sort of start trying to attack Salt Lake City, which uh, it's a probably a long way to salt lake city man like it would just kind of maybe break yeah, down it, on the road fly <laughs> <laughs> maybe it runs into lake silencio to make another Who, utah reference um that is another but, thing what's the obsession with utah There's yeah what the hell <laughs> it's the, tra- yeah. it's tragical showrunners as well like is, is is there just sort of an underlying mormon theme to uh to doctor who what's Ooh. what's going on here Good Doctor does have, I love it. He does have multiple wives. I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, it could could it does raise this interesting question of like could one Dalek destroy every human on earth? Yeah. Like surely if you at some point you'd just Maybe. nuke it. At some point it would be an independence day scenario and you'd just be like, you know, sorry, Salt Lake City, we have to throw a nuke at it. I mean it's Doctor Who. How could you be sure? You know, mm. like, and if it's a nuke, it just blows up, and you can just assume it's dead. But nothing that never works in the show. You know, it just yeah. never does. You know, to have yeah. a force field, and maybe it's buried. Someone well, again, that, that would be again. a great sort of Independence Day style scene where, like, the, yeah. the the smoke clears, and no, the Dalek is still standing there. Yeah, From... totally. So, yeah, I think I think it totally could. You need you need yeah. the Doctor. You need some X Factor to stop the Daleks. Can't just have Unit do it. Well, and that 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 brings me to uh, the question three. <laughs> My answer to question three, which is, where's the Clara Splinter? Because as we know, Clara Oswald was fragmented at the end of the time of the Doctor throughout the Doctor's time stream. Uh, name of the Doctor, oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, one of those what was it. Name of the time of the Doctor was <laughs> name, the next one. It was the final yeah, name one, of the yeah. Doctor. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. they were all named <laughs> of the Doctor. In that it's hard to get, keep them straight. Especially now we've got power of the doctor. We've got too many of the doctors now. I know. At least that one's a whole different era. But <laughs> uh, yes, of course. Clara, where is she here? So my my theory is that she she's not in the bunker at all. Uh, she's waiting outside the bunker. She either has a nuclear device or a crack unit team or, you know, some way of filling the bunker with concrete, which is what eventually happens anyway. Mm. Like she's got the concrete trucks ready to roll. Um Maybe you know, she's the owner thing. of the concrete company. And she's she's ready there. She's like, we've got all these trucks. Yeah. You know, they're all just... Yeah. Like, and basically, they're like, we got to get those out to orders. No, no, no. I think we're going to get a big order. Yeah. Real soon. yeah. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. Like, why are we driving into the middle of the Utah desert, boss? Oh, just <laughs> just trust me. We Yeah. Bring all the con- concrete mixers. That's what I said. Bring them all. You know, wait, <laughs> wait for a hole to open in the ground here, then pour in the concrete. There it is. Perfect. I didn't have much better, uh, but they do mention that the Dalek wa- crashed in the Ascension Islands, which I didn't actually look up mm. until now. Those are in Canada, if you can believe it. Ooh. So it's a none of it. So that actually sells the idea that this is a remote area. Yeah. Um, I don't know how anyone would have even noticed, honestly, <laughs> unless it was, uh, you know, some some uh, Inuit, uh, Inuit folks just, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Doing fishing or whatever, but... Um, 
So like, Dalek would be very good at fishing. I mean, that's, that's, with that sucker, my goodness. So then, but then it's also sold at auction and passed from private bro, private owner to private owner, I guess. So maybe yeah, she was yeah. sort of the broker or the auctioneer and was manipulating how the Dalek was transferred, ensuring that it would get here. Interesting. Uh, right when the doctor yes. Arrived. Yes. Uh, and maybe sort of uh, made sure that the doctor heard the distress signal. Because does the distress oh, signal come from the Dalek right. itself? In the novelization, the, just, the doctor goes straight to the source of the signal, which yeah. is like, you know, a set of doors, you know, that the Dal- we know the Dalek is behind. So it's actually responding to the Dalek's distress signal. But I don't think in the show it's ever explained. No, no. It's just, yeah. I think it's, there's a strong implication it was the Dalek. Yeah, mm. he, does, no, he does say it. He does say it when he's in the prison where he's like, yeah. oh, and I got your little signal. Help uh, me, help me, poor little thing. Yeah, so I think it was maybe, definitely maybe the Clara. Maybe Clara's boosting that signal because how the hell else is it going to reach the TARDIS? Could be, could be. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of yeah. possibilities here in this tight episode for Clara, even though there's not much in the way of plot oversights to mm. fill in. So indeed, indeed. Cool. All right, and the final question. The final question, the only question for Dalek is this: a a Dalek, <laughs> which is the, the rating we give for a good episode of Doctor Who. Uh, there is, is it an Ogron, which is a perhaps not so great episode of Doctor Who. We have our new rating in Professor Hader, where it's not a good episode of Doctor <laughs> Who, but at least I learned something. And there is the Viscount Banger, what we reserve for the ultimate episodes of Doctor Who, the best of the best. And I got to say... As ironic as it is, we're not giving Dalek a Dalek. This one's by far a Viscount banger, like all the way. Yeah, I, I kind of am. I'm, I'm going to do both because I'm going to say this <laughs> This is Viscount banger, uh, but he's yeah, got a Dalek. Both. Obey! <laughs> Obey! 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 single rating! Obey! You, you must choose! Choose! No, I'm going to say that, that Viscount banger has actually had a Dalek locked up in his castle in the basement. <laughs> for, for all these years chained up he thinks it's a metaltron or sir metaltron as i'm wow. sure viscount banger calls it um but that's why like we love that, it that, that's how much of a viscount banger it is mm. it's a viscount banger with a dalek in his castle wow it's a it's a russian doll viscount banger <laughs> dalek thing you just keep it's just more and more and more every time you peel back a layer there's another one that's just as good and satisfying that's Indeed, how to, good this episode is to make another to make another power of the doctor reference it's a it's a russian nesting doll it's a kind of situation yeah. here <laughs> i mean we've made it we've, we've, we've talked all about the drama and all the amazing performances the design of the dalek everything they did right on top of that all they also worked in hairdryer like it's so good <laughs> this episode is so good oh my it's god so good and here's here's my question for you maybe this is the fifth question to doomsday um <laughs> is this so when we did genesis of the daleks i don't believe we had the viscount banger rating system is that correct can't remember but yeah i think you're right yeah a while back so the question we did, is yeah, we this, did state of decay after that i believe yeah this, this may this may be heresy to even say it and i'm ready for a collective gasp from the the classic who audience is this better than genesis of the daleks now we've seen them both they're so different you know yeah, like really i mean one's drawn out is you know trying to say a lot 
Um, it's more allegory than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. hard to make that call, you know. I, I, I think I, I go back to Dalek more often, but that's probably just because it's shorter. Yes, it's easier to get through. Yeah, we uh, often forget that Genesis is a six-parter. Um, yeah. Maybe if Genesis was a four-parter, like it would have been a lot tighter. You'd remove a lot of that stuff, like the clams and you know the the stuff that we you don't remember until you rewatch it. You know, Sarah right. Jane's unexplained costume change, all of that stuff. I think, on balance, this might be the best Dalek story ever. Hmm. Agree. Uh, yeah. Agree. <laughs> yeah, I think I have to give it just because, like you said, it's not just a masterclass in good Doctor Who and how to mm. deal write that for the Daleks. It's a masterclass in good TV. Like this yeah. is great freaking television. <laughs> Trying this? to keep it family friendly. Uh yeah. it's, it's it's it just is. Like this is like a tight episode that I would be very comfortable asking anyone to watch. Like literally, like, okay, you're gonna watch one episode of Doctor Who, watch this one. Like some stuff's going to go over your head, just as you any franchise would. But this, you're going to get it, and you're going to be riveted. Yeah, if you have a friend who's sort of a non-fan, or maybe they used to be a fan, or they saw a few episodes ages ago, but they sneer about the Daleks in particular, like, oh, they're just yeah. you know, pepper pots. They can't climb stairs. You know, what is even with that eye stalk? Blah blah blah. Show them this; they will not be saying that again. Hmm. Agreed. Yeah, man. This is it. All right. Best Dalek episode ever. Yeah. You you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> come come at us with your with your takes, with your hot takes. Uh come at us with your explain. Um <laughs> But yeah, we think this is better than Genesis overall. I gotta say, we deserve a medal for not doing the Dalek voices until the last five or ten minutes of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I sort of assumed you were going to Nicholas Briggs us uh, yeah. throughout the thing, and we'll actually do the whole podcast in Dalek voices. Yeah, I only mentioned him once, uh, but man, he's <laughs> he's so, such a pivotal part of this. And yeah, you kind of see him in the Doctor Who Confidential episode, you see him talking like this, and for yeah. viewers who are not watching me, I'm slamming my finger down with each word and that's how he did <laughs> it because it. he had to signal the guy yeah. who was operating the lights on the dalek remote control so they get more synchronized than ever super high tech yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it funny like dude, when you get behind the scenes of tv you realize just mm. how suited the pants it is a lot of the time um but they were all yeah. clearly like you know giving it they're all here and doing whatever it took to make this awesome um okay Indeed. we could go on we could go on and on but we must go on to our <laughs> next episode uh so we're gonna have to close the door on dalek close this casing and then rush into our time machine and find out where the randomizer is going to take us next Indeed. And uh, yeah, we, we are going to uh, step inside our mysterious police box. And while Adam stands outside it and says, hey, what are you guys <laughs> doing in there? Um, and uh, But we beckon you to join us because it's time to fire up the randomizer. And there are two parts of the randomizer. Pete has the codex, which is our listing of all of the stories in Doctor Who history. Pete, I've got to ask you, have you added story number 302? 302 added because one of our followers on Twitter reminded me uh, and uh, I was very flattered and humbled to learn that 
that follower is actually using our codex as a basis. Oh my god! For, people uh, people are reading our spreadsheets. That's it's like the the highest accolade you can get in Doctor Who fandom. I looked at your spreadsheet, and I feel a little <laughs> bit shamed because we've been promising to update it with emoji reviews and other things. So we'll 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 get to that. There's, that's uh, we'll have some time in the the upcoming holidays. I'm sure at some point to make this a uh, give it an upgrade. I feel like our casing is open to the sunlight right now. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're weeping a single frothy tear. I would um, say it was satisfying for the power of the doctor when I was putting the entry in to write which doctors it features. Ooh. Uh, because that's a list. That is a list, my friend. I won't go into it here. Everyone knows. But uh, I, I think that was one of the most first. Doctors. We we obviously the, texted we texted each other right after watching yeah. it, and I think that was one of the first things I texted you was the eight doctors question mark. Uh, <laughs> it's got it's name. got eight. Yeah, this is yeah. it's got the most doctors of any of these entries because uh, yeah. we don't obviously we only count people who who are in the show, not just footage. Yeah, we're, um, we're counting speaking roles, like new speaking roles. Right. Here, not yes. Day of the Doctor has visuals of all of them, and yes, Day of the Doctor has clips of all of them, but not new content. So, yeah, yeah, this really is the Eight Doctors. All right. So the other part of the randomizer is random.org, which uses atmospheric noise rather than uh, one of Henry Van Staten's algorithms um, to uh, to predict randomness, because the internet is very bad in general. Algorithms are bad in general at uh, predicting. Uh, uh, giving you random numbers so we use atmospheric noise so it's true randomness it's true bespoke doctor level randomness so you betcha. I, this is the time. I plugged in numbers yeah. 1 to 302 we're going to generate a random number and but first whoa whoa slow down we got yeah exactly. we got to do some challenges my man and i feel like we're running out of challenges now we're, we've finally done our first eggleston episode yeah so I mean, awesome. we could we could challenge it to to go Yahtzee and and give us Paul McGann, but uh, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, we could also challenge it to give us the Fourteenth Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> now, but uh, no, we're not going to do that. Um, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say I I got so jazzed up about this. I got so jazzed up about Dalek stories in general. I I want more Daleks. Like last hmm. time you said, let's give us, let you know, don't give us Tennant and Tate. Let's save Tennant and Tate. I'm going to say we're so behind on, on Dalek serials. Um, yeah. Let's, let's see one. Let's, let's really dive into a day of the Daleks or a death to the Daleks or something. Actually, give me a Dalek serial I have not seen, which is quite a few. Whoa. Oh, okay. Interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the same thing, but differently. So I'm going to also <laughs> continue this obsession with Daleks, but since we've just decided that Dalek is the best Dalek episode ever, Randomizer, mm. you bring us to what you think is the worst Dalek story ever. Ooh. And we'll see if you're right. <laughs> I love it. What a yeah. challenge. All right. So, well, Pete's going to give me a countdown. I'm going to generate a random number. He'll look it up in the codex. We'll see where we're going next. It's super exciting. We have no idea what's about to happen. Maximum randomness in five <laughs> rounds. Four, <laughs> three, two, one. Doctor! Oh. 207. Explain, explain. 207. Oh, man! No Daleks, but it's the 11th hour. 
Whoa! No, 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 no. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, beast below, yeah. beast below. I was looking at the row. Oh my God! Oh, we were so the close. beast below. The beast below. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. This. I feel like it's the Oscars. Remember when they gave it to La La Land, and then it's like, oh no, it's Moonlight. That's a, except, that's exactly what happened here just now. Except Moonlight was actually good. Uh, <laughs> oh, you kid, La La Land. La La Land was a good time. No, no, uh, no, no. I'm as opposed to the beast below. I mean. <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's like oh it, we're giving you this fabulous four-course meal uh no sorry it's a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> well good times the beast below we kid the beast below i hope uh but that's good yeah wow okay i was actually what happened there guys is i was accidentally looking at the lines in the the spreadsheet lines <laughs> oh, and not the actual oh. numbers of of uh the stories uh, right. Which are a little off. So, uh, all right. Thanks. Th thanks, okay. Warren Beatty. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. The Beast Below. This will be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a while since we've done any Matt Smith. Yeah. Um, uh, looking forward to returning. Looking forward to, like, we, we found almost all new who gets improved with a second viewing. So maybe I will find something to like in The Beast Below. It's, uh, it's it's fresh Matt Smith and fresh Karen Gillan. They're brand new, yeah. bright eyed and bushy tailed in their roles. This could be this could be uh, interesting. It could be a lot. To yeah, at least we'll be like, don't they look not tired? <laughs> well, they're going to look a lot less tired than us after we've just slogged <laughs> through. Uh, well, it wasn't a slog at all, but we wow, it takes yeah. a lot out of you these Dalek epics. Uh, so yeah. we will catch you next time. Thanks all for listening. By the way, this is Pull to Open. It's a podcast. You weren't sure if you're encountering us somewhere in your Explain. cosmic journeys. Explain podcasts. Podcasts are this thing you actually subscribe to on whatever service you're using. So please make sure you've done that, whether it's YouTube, whether it's a podcast thing, uh, thing app like the podcast app or Overcast or the Google podcast app. You usually have the word podcast or cast in it. It's probably what you're doing. Stitcher. Best thing you can do, of course, is leave us a review wherever you're listening to us or tell a friend about this great podcast you're listening to that talks about Doctor Who. Uh, follow us on social, pull to open on TikTok, pull to open 63 on Twitter and Instagram. Drop us a line, say hi, review something. It's all good. We'd love to engage. And we will talk to you all next time about the beast below. See you then. Bye, guys. Bye.